Proudly presents Rapid On Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program is brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States. Here's Rapid On Racing. Good evening, race fans, and welcome to Rappin' on Racing, January 2021. Our guests include Jennerstown Speedway General Manager Billy Rebar, along with street stock champion Casey Flegel, super late model driver Alex Free, Steve Baker from Rocket Chassis, late model driver Logan Zarin, and David M. Maloney from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania House of Representatives. Dave Oliveri, good evening. How are you? I'm doing well, Don. Uh- and to first off, to all our listeners, I know we're a couple days into January, but I want to, myself and my family, want to wish everybody a happy new year. And we'll put 2020 behind and we'll just leave it at that. But, you know, Don, you know, you and I talk pretty much on a daily basis. And for the diehard race fans, there's, even though we're up, you know, you're in a little bit warmer climate down in North Carolina, we're still freezing up here in the Pittsburgh area, but we got some great racing coming in the month of January. And the big one, for those that like midget racing, you got the, the 35th annual uh, Chili Bowl Nationals at the Tulsa Expo Speedway. And, Don, last year the winner was Kyle Larson. The previous three years was Christopher Bell. And this year... Another NASCAR driver jumping in, Chase Elliott. So I don't know if Chase is going to have the advantage of what uh, Christopher and um, Kyle have, but it should be interesting that you're seeing some of these NASCAR stars jumping into these uh, little, you know, I guess midgets and having a ball doing it. Well, Chase is a good NASCAR driver, but I wouldn't bet any money on him in the Chili Bowl with those other two guys. And then speaking, you know, uh, you know, during a couple weeks after the Chili Bowl, for our late model fans, there's going to be, you know, Lucas Oil kicks off their series at All Tech Speedways with shows on the 21st, 22nd, and 23rd. Then they go for a stretch down at East Bay from uh, January 24th through the 30th. And in an interview that I had with, uh, you know, Steve Baker, he's going to touch on a little bit about that. So we're going to have some great late model racing in the month of January. Not so much in the sprint cars. I think the All-Star Sprints have one show uh, that's at Scrabbing at the on the 29th. Most of their series take place in February. So a lot of this, Don, and I, and I kind of got you hooked onto this, Flow Racing and Dirt Vision, and there's also MAV TV for those. Some of, this, some of the local cable companies have that as a subscription. So even though it's going to be cold, hopefully not too much snow here in Pittsburgh, we should still have a, a, a bevy of racing to watch this coming January. I, I went to Florida so many years. But, you know, sitting in my recliner at home, uh, drinking yingling, uh, while I don't have to travel that far or deal with the bad weather getting there, I think I'm going to be okay. All right. Last month was a tough time for the racing family. Frida Ronick, 100 years old, passed away, along with Joe Viglione, age 97. Josh Langer was only 40. In November, we lost 22-year-old Jennerstown Speedway driver Tanner Friedline, and just recently, Greg Vasco, and Greg was 64 years old. 
We're going to take a few minutes to pay tribute to these members of our racing family. Frida Roenick's favorite holiday of the year was Christmas, and it's remarkable to think that she died peacefully in her sleep after her 101st Christmas. Her farmhouse was a virtual playground for generations of nieces, nephews, grandchildren, great-grandchildren, and great-great-grandchildren. Frida was a regular listener to Rappin' on Racing when we were on WEDO and WIXZ. When Don Martin passed away, Dave Bauman, Arch Roenick, and his brother Jim took over the promotions of the Lernerville Speedway. Arch Roenick and his brother Jim were a big part of Lernerville for over 40 years. Tanner J. Freeline, age 22, died in November doing what he loved, riding his dirt bike. He was a graduate of the Somerset County Technical School. Tanner raced cars at Jennerstown Speedwell, where he won many races and was honored with Rookie of the Year in the Charger Division in place second that year in the Rookie of the Year Division in voting in the state. His dream was to race dirt bikes, and he was able to do that at Latrobe Speedway this year, where he finished second in points. He lit up any room he walked into, Don, and he will be greatly missed and loved forever. Joe Viglione was involved in the Pittsburgh area racing for over 30 years. He had success with the sportsman coupes that he built and drove throughout the 50s in the Pittsburgh Racing Association and other tracks. During the early to mid-60s, Joe built and drove a variety of cars, including super modifieds, dirt late models, and modified coupes in the PRA and the Penn Western Racing Association. In the late 60s through the early 70s, Joe built and owned cars and drove late models that campaigned on both dirt and asphalt. As a primary car builder and owner during the popular Heidelberg and Sharon asphalt days from 67 to 73, some of his drivers included Bob Waring Sr., Jimmy Bickerstaff, and Kenny Hempfeld, all three Hall of Famers. During the mid to late 70s, Joe returned to the area dirt tracks driving his late models. Joe and his drivers won many features over those years. Viglione's reputation for building sharp cars was equaled by few. I had the pleasure of hanging out with Joe when he was building two cars for Jim Vilsack at his garage in Hazelwood, PA. The 36 Chevy Coupes were named 77 Sunset Strip, drove one, and several other drivers drove the team car, including Buddy O'Connor. Joe's car later became the 14, while Vilsack's was painted blue and numbered 9 for Norm Benning Sr. to drive. In 1999, Joe was inducted into the Pittsburgh Circle Track Club Hall of Fame. He died at age 97. Rest in peace, my friend. Josh Langer died of cancer at age 40. When he was 10 years old, his parents drove him to Pete Laurier's garage for an autograph. Josh was hooked and became a garage rat and Imperial Tire and Auto. When he was 12, he was allowed on the pits and became a crew member for Pete Loria. Josh also became good friends with Bill Robertson and helped the number one car. The Turn 3 crew at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway was a great group of competitors. In, in honor of Pete, Josh ran uh, the number 11 color, color, car, car number and color schemes, and he was a championship driver in the amateur stocks at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. Late December, race car driver Greg Vasco uh, died. His health had been failing for years. He was on dialysis, overweight, 
And the dialysis that was for several years, they said his death was from complications with the diabetes. A successful driver in the super compacts at Motordrome, he did some traveling over the years and spent a lot of time in Victory Lane. He was also a drummer in a band and he loved his rock and roll music. Greg was 64 years old. Rest in peace, my friend. Uh, Dave, you visited Steve Baker from Rocket Chassis, and I'd like you to discuss your visit and tease the listeners with how Rocket Chassis got its name. Well, I hadn't been down to Rocket for quite some time, and I actually took Robert Johnson uh, from United States Motorsports Association and the Motorsports Council of Pennsylvania with me just to, to see a different perspective. We've taken him to different racetracks this year, and... But now I took him to a manufacturing of actually, you know, building race cars. And throughout the, the, the time that we spent with Steve, and, you know, was so appreciative. I and mean, they have been super busy trying to get cars ready to go to, to Florida. But I never knew how Rocket, the name, became. So I'm not going to, I'm going to, like you said, I'm going to do a teaser but, but how we're going to do the teaser is, I said, okay, Steve, how did this happen? Well, Davy Johnson was a house car driver for both uh, Mark Richards and Steve Baker. And when they built the first cars in the early years, the car had a, a quite a characteristic. And that's will be my lean-in, too. So, listeners, if you, when you listen to the interview, you'll hear the answer that Steve gave me on how, how the name Rocket became such an iconic name that it is now. Your three-part interview with Steve will play in the final hour of the show. Crate late model driver Logan Zarin has a big announcement. You're just going to have to stand by for that. Don, you and myself uh, had the opportunity to listen to uh, David M. Maloney from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania House of Representatives. He was a guest on a Zoom call with members, as I had mentioned earlier, from the United States Motorsports Association and also from local track owners, promoters in the media. And it was supposed to be a short little session, and I know you kind of segmented part of it, but it was really interesting. I think the listeners will be interested to hear what Dave has to say. Between David and Robert Johnson, uh, their efforts was a big part of why the local tracks were able to race this past summer. And people didn't understand or they didn't, uh, they didn't realize that. It's true. I mean, it's just, they were kind of like the behind the scenes people. And I, the thing that I took about that during the, uh, the Zoom interview was the fact that not only were we hearing it from members of the media thanking both Robert and David, but also the promoters, because many of them uh, would not have opened without those two guys uh, constantly working with them, going back to the local representatives in whatever particular state. In, this, in our case, it was Pennsylvania. Uh, there was so much there, so definitely appreciative, and I think the listeners will enjoy that uh, you know, interview that we had with them. want to welcome some new people to the Rapping on Racing family. We want to welcome Jimmy Smith from Tabasso, Ohio, and Tyler Height from Duncansville, PA, also Tyler Stutler from Clarksburg, West Virginia, and Brandon Davis from Mineral Wills, West Virginia, to the Rapping on Racing family. If you miss any of Monday's program, you can always go to rappinonracing.com. 
As always, we want to thank our marketing partners, Alternative Power Sources, Jennerstown Speedway, Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, RPS Financial Services, and Toma Meat Market. Thank you to our reporters, Hallie Bayless, Lenny Baticki, Tyler Harris, Bill Korch, Tom Lang, plus Mike Lysakowski, and Jim Zufall. Special thanks to our senior engineers and our technical advisors, Bill Korch, Ted Lusick, and Gary Scott, along with Bob Miller, our multimedia data collection facilitator. Dave, uh, don't have you listed as a reporter anymore because you're, you're the co-host, and I can't thank you enough for all the things that you have accomplished here in this past year and years prior to that. Don, it, it's, just, it's just enjoyable. And while we're talking about accomplishments, you know, I want to talk to you about your accomplishments. Year number 41 coming up this coming year in January, wrapping on racing in 41 years. I know we've talked about this every January or February. Uh, I, 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 your little project that you took over, which sometimes you think it's just going to be a, a short run, 41 years. There's very few things that are equal out there in motorsports that's uh, like that. And I, again, your dedication is one of the best of the best in keeping this up and going. It's appreciative to me and I'm sure all the listeners that listen to the show, Don. Well, I thank you for those kind words. And you know, you mentioned 40 years and uh, we're going to have an interview with Alex Faree and he was just, he was uh, very impressed by the fact that Cochran has been with Lynn Geisler for 40 years. And in Alex, in his interview, you'll hear him talking about it. He says, you know, Lynn's got some big shoes to fill, and I just hope I can do it. But I think that this combination of Alex Faree driving the number one Cochran car with the history and the victories of those two gentlemen, it's going to be a big deal. I think it's an opportunity also, Don, for Lynn to stay at Lernerville. I know Mike and they ventured out a little bit this year, you know, but with Alex living close and, and the number, again, and we're not even going to get into the number of championships and wins those two have, but I, I think they'll be the prohibitive favorite in the late model division this year at Lernerville. The biggest bonus for Alex is the fact that it's about 10 or 15 minutes from his home to the track. He'll be able to have his wife there and his two sons and his mom and his dad and his sisters and the whole family. And his sisters have kids. He said, when I have to drive three hours to a race, I can't take all these people with me. And then it's three hours to get home. So he's just tickled that they'll be at Lernerville because it's going to be super convenient and super successful. One, one interesting note to leave you with, Don. Two Pittsburgh track circle trouble. Hall of Fame drivers. Pretty impressive. Very. Dave, I want to thank you. You have a nice evening. You do the same as well, Don. This is the Banker Bob Thought for the January 2021 off-season show. To steal ideas from someone is called plagiarism. To steal ideas from many people is called research.
A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, Powertech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. No one covers motorsports like Rapid on Racing. For nearly 40 years, Rapid on Racing has provided the best in motorsports information with knowledgeable and veteran reporters who cover all forms of racing. Weekly reports include local dirt and asphalt racing from Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, plus the All-Stars, IndyCar, IHRA, Lucas Oil Late Models, NASCAR, NHRA, Rush, USAC, and the World of Outlaws. Listeners get the latest breaking motorsports news. The show features special guests, local track reports, driver interviews, and listeners' emails. The host of Rapid on Racing is Don Gamble, a former driver and track promoter, Don brings a wealth of racing knowledge to the program every week. Quite frankly, there's no other program like it on the air today. Rapid on Racing. Why not be a part of the weekly action? This portion of Rapid on Racing is brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, home of the Motor Mountain Masters. For more information, check out Jennerstown.org. All right, fans, joining us now is Billy Rebar, the general manager from Jennerstown Speedway. Bill, good evening. How are you? Doing well, Don. Good evening. I can't wait for the Masters, so I'd like to start with that. It's a new year, a lot of good things happening. We'll start with that, and then we can touch on some of the other significant things that are coming up at Jennerstown in 2021. Yeah, Don, you know, three, four years ago, when we talk about the Masters, I'd have to take five or ten minutes and explain to you what the heck the Masters is, what it means, and what was going to happen. Well, this pro late model race, which is $10,000 to win, has simply evolved into one of the largest short track pro late model races in the country. And most of your fans know, but if you don't know what a pro late model is, the difference between a pro and a super is, pro late models run crate motors. They're cost-effective. They're affordable. And the whole idea of this Motor Mountain Masters is to put together a race and attract drivers from all over the country with different crate motor packages to converge on Jennerstown Speedway to try to take home that $10,000 purse. Well, this will be our fourth consecutive year of 
putting uh, the time and effort into the Motor Mountain Masters. This has kind of become mine and my pit steward, Mike Bellardi's baby. It's the highlight of everything we do. It's the reason why we do what we do, because it excites the hell of us to see these guys come from the Northeast, Florida, from Indiana, Michigan, Kentucky, you name it. They come to Jennerstown and can't wait to come back. And what I'd like to share with you tonight, as of to date, so we're just breaking the first of the year. So August 6th and 7th is over eight months away, Dawn. There are already 14 entries in the door for the Motor Mountain Masters for 2021. How exciting is that? It's, it's excellent. And, you know, racers procrastinate. So as the year goes on, this is going to grow by leaps and bounds. And the thing I like best about it when I'm in the pits and I'm talking to somebody, the comment is, wow, is this place nice? I wish I could run here every Saturday night. But unfortunately, if they live in a different state or down in Florida, that's not going to happen. But when they come up, you know, like when Bubba comes up, he, he loves it. Absolutely. And we will continue with the big race on July 3rd this year, which is the Cars Tour, in conjunction with the uh, JEG CRA, which is the same motor package pretty much as we run in the Masters. And that's why I'm so excited about having 14, 15 entries in the door already. A lot of these guys, their series haven't even produced schedules yet. JEG CRA has just released their schedule this past week. So if someone's running for the points for that series, they're not going to send their entry into the Masters yet. They want to wait and see. Well, the JEG CRA series at this time does not have a race that weekend. Uh, Berlin Speedway, which we had several drivers like um, Evan Schottko that raced with us last year that made the tow that just absolutely fell in love with Jennerstown. His dad messaged me just this past week, hey, where's the entry form? we got to get it in because Berlin Speedway is not racing that weekend. We have a great relationship with Mike Parks and the Granite State Pro Stock Series up there. Um, Mike's still finalizing. He announced the schedule as of right now. That date is open. So drivers like Corey Casagrande has already mailed their entry form in. But I haven't gotten it yet. It's not at my fingertips because of our wonderful mail system. Um, Jimmy Tucker, who absolutely destroyed a car last year in the Masters, went to the hospital. He's been texting me for three months. When's the Masters open? When's the Masters open? When's the Masters open? He was actually at the Snowball Derby and called me from the Derby and says, put my name on the list. I'm sending the check. Um, so to have 15 entries in my hand when I know there's eight or ten more between me and the post office somewhere, the reigning uh, champion, Mike Hopkins, I talk to Mike about every two weeks or so. He can't wait to come back. Eldon King destroyed a race car at the very end of the, the uh, Masters with about six laps to go for a chance to win the ten grand. He's number third on the entry list. And we have a bunch of local drivers. And I don't want to name them all because we want to kind of rebuild them here a little bit at a time, you know, build some suspense. But two names that stick out that may not be familiar, but they're going to be local drivers, and you need to keep your eyes on them this year, folks. We have a gentleman named Owen Halp. Oh, I'm sorry, Owen Halp. Does that name ring a bell, the last name, Dawn? Yes, Dave Halp. Dave Halp. Well, that is actually Owen's uncle. And Owen has not competed with us before. He's coming off a pretty successful go-kart career. And, and Owen and his dad, they actually went out and purchased a Port City late model. He will be competing weekly in the Martell, Martellus Pharmacy late models in 2021. So this kid has tested with us, and I call him a kid because, yes, he is a kid. He's a young man. Uh, he's tested a few times after the season, and I'm going to be honest with it. Looked really smooth, looked really fast, and... They have not only 
registered for the 2021 season, they've already registered for the Masters. And one of the reasons why we're getting early entries, I want to explain, Dawn, is drivers get to make their tire selection based on the order of entry. So as they come in, we, we time stamp them, we mark them, we put them in order, and as the tires come off the truck, they get to pick them. And we run the McCreary Racing Tire. It's an excellent, excellent product. But let's face it, last year we had 38 late models. When some guys buy two sets of practice tires, they're only allowed to buy six race tires, you multiply that times 36, it starts choosing tires, stagger, things like that. So it's definitely an advantage. Get your entry in early drivers. This is the most entries we've ever had in in the first month. Really excited about it. Uh, in addition to Owen, I mentioned the second name. That is Mr. Ethan Myers. Ethan's a young man. He ran, I think, two races with us at the end of 2020. The uh, Ethan is actually going to fill the car out of the Mark, uh, Mark Smith Racing Stables. Always fast equipment over there at MSS Shock Therapy. And excuse me. And Ethan was really turning some heads. Uh, he's done some testing. He ran some races. He was actually going for the lead in the heat race, and he just kind of overdrove the corner a little bit. Wrecked the car, got it fixed, came back the next week. But those are two names, folks, you really want to look at in 2021. Owen Haupt and Ethan Myers and the Martellus Pharmacy Lay Models. But those aren't the only two guys. Um, we've had guys that have raced years ago that are coming back to competition. Good friend over there in West Virginia, Scott Stern. It's been quite a few years since we've seen Scott racing at Jennerstown. But Scott Stern will return in competition for the 2021 season. Excited to see that. All your familiar names that you're used to seeing, we expect everyone to come back this year. We don't expect anyone to not come back in the Martellus Pharmacy late models. And we also have maybe one or two more rookies that uh, could possibly surface. I know gentlemen that raced in our four-cylinders a few years ago, Joe Pfeiffer, they actually purchased a car with intentions of running the 602 Pro Stock class, and they went up and did some testing, and boy, they sure think they're going to stay in the late model division. So a division that just, Five short years ago, was struggling to get 10 cars a weekly basis is potentially going to see 24 to 26 guys that could show up week to week at Jennerstown Speedway. So extremely, extremely exciting of that accomplishment. Uh, Pitts may actually be to the point where they're, they're busting at the seams this year. So great to see. Fans, if you're just joining us, we're talking to Billy Rebar, the general manager at the Jennerstown Speedway. Bill, I think one of the keys to your success, to your success is that you listen. And the fans have been asking you for many, many years, the Super Modifieds, when are they coming to Jennerstown? Well, it, it's kind of... It's, it's one of those things we, we listen, but there's always a time and a place for everything, and you can't always do it. And, and 2020 was hard on everyone. I, I mentioned before in a previous show, we were going to scale back in 2021, kind of play it safe, pray that the vaccine comes out, everything goes back to some sense of normalcy. Until we see that, we were going to play it safe. So uh, we were going to pull back to the Masters, our monster truck show, and we were also going to uh, run the Cars Tour. It, it's not as many big events. And when we talked to one of our sponsors, who we can't get name yet, uh, they said, well, you need to bring back the Isma Super Modified. And we want to. It's not that we didn't want to listen to our fans. It just couldn't quite make that happen with other commitments and things like that. Well, once a date opened up, the availability of the series, the availability of the Speedway, the sponsor stepping up to the plate, uh, it was a no-brainer. We had to do it. So in 2021, the 
International Super Modified Association will return to the Jennerstown Speedway on Saturday, September 11th. So a very, very uh, important date in our nation's history, you know, right up the road, Flight 93. Uh, what better way to do that and tie that in with an ISMA Super Modified race? So we're really excited for that. Bill, we're going to need to take a break because we're coming up on a commercial. Stay with us. We'll be back with more with Bill Rebar after these messages. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex is located in the scenic Laurel Mountains of Somerset County, Pennsylvania, in the town of Jennerstown at the intersections of Route 30 and Route 985. Experience the thrill of Jennerstown Speedway with its 550 feet of 6-degree straightaways and over 700 feet of 9-degree sweeping corners. Jennerstown Speedway serves as the host for five divisions of weekly racing series every Saturday evening from May to September. Weekly divisions include late models, modifieds, street stocks, charger, and the Fast and Furious 4s. Special events include IMSA Super Modifieds, Super Cup Stock Car Series, the Race of Champions Modifieds, Spectator Gates open at 4 p.m. with racing starting at 6 p.m., allowing for even the youngest fans the opportunity to experience the entire action-packed show. The ownership and staff of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex take great pride in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. At the completion of each weekly event, everyone in attendance is invited into the pit area to meet their favorite drivers and see the cars up close and in person. For upcoming events and special promotions, you can visit Jennerstown.org or follow them on Facebook. Fans, we're back. If you're just joining us, we're talking to Bill Rebar. Uh, Bill, this 602 class has generated a lot of interest. And if I'm correct, a fellow that I used to enjoy watching at Motordrome, Chucky Kessler's coming back. Am I right? That is correct. Uh, Chuck Kessler in his familiar number one car. You know, I, right now somebody's been posting a lot of pictures and videos from the old Motordrome days, uh, videos, and you can watch them and you'll hear Chucky's name called. And Chuck has been frequenting the Speedway about the last year, year and a half. He's been helping out uh, Martellus Pharmacy late model driver Paul Fest. And you could tell Chuck was getting the itch. And he was hinting around, and he heard that the rumors were coming that we were going to start this division. And Chuck was one of the first ones that when we said we were going to do it, he ordered a motor. Um, so he ordered a 602 crate motor, dusted off the old cars. And, and Chucky actually has two. He has a left-hander in a Port City, and I haven't heard which one he's deciding to run, but who knows? He might even put two of them together. But this class, folks, is going to have familiar names as well as new names. It's an excellent way for some younger drivers to come over and have some asphalt experience, and it's also a way for a lot of guys that haven't raced in many years to come back. Um, so Chucky's going to compete in that division. Familiar names, Mr. Dale Kimberly, your, I believe, three-time Farmers Union Co-op Charger Champion will be competing in the 602 Late Model Pro Stock Class. Chris Brink will be competing in the uh, 602 Pro Stock Late Model Class. David Campbell, who's one of our uh, Soystown Auto Record Modified Drivers, we expect him to compete in that division. Who was a rookie this year, Will Heminger. There's a familiar name, right? Grandson of um, Speedway owner Larry Heminger, who competed and was the rookie of the year. I'm sorry, not rookie of the year, but runner-up for rookie of the year and the Farmers Union Co-op Chargers, Will will actually be competing in that class. Uh, another name from the past, Patrick Parlock, who has raced uh, four cylinders years ago, I think 
Patrick may have raced uh, a limited late model a while back. Uh, Patrick is in the process of putting a car together for that uh, division. And there are several other drivers that just not ready to put their names out there to commit yet. Uh, we have several dirt converts. We've got guys going all over Ohio and Pennsylvania buying out these cars. Um, and I'm seeing them on Facebook, but, you know, we got to make sure they get them to the track. But we're anticipating anywhere between 10 or 12 of those cars in that division opening night, which is really exciting to have something from conception uh, to see that kind of car count right out of the gate. Well, it makes sense. You know, racing should be fun. And depending on what level of competition that you're in, you don't want to be in over your head, and you want to be able to enjoy your racing season. Yes, I will make the prediction, and, and I'm not spot on all the time. Sometimes I'll say so-and-so is going to get a win and this and that, but I'm usually pretty close. I will predict in the next two to three years, this 602 Pro Stock class is probably going to be your biggest car count. I think the affordability, the availability, and the excitement that it's going to produce, you're really going to see everybody want to flock to that division. Maybe something's getting stale for somebody that's raced a street stock for you or raced a Charger for years, or, you know, I'm in a four-cylinder and I don't want to be a, a Charger street stock. This is the opportunity that people have been waiting on. This is where you're going to see names of family members that raced years ago. Um, I, I could mention some very famous names that I know their kids are just dying to get back into a race car, and it's going to be this division is what I truly believe. So the timing was right. It's a great way to shuffle the divisions around. Some people get a night off, and you're going to just see this continue to grow at Jennerstown. Let's explain. Take a minute and explain that night off thing because I think you're going to make the moms, the wives, the girlfriends, the sisters very happy because they can actually plan uh, a regular person activity that's not going to interfere with a race night. Correct. So outside of our monster truck show, which hopefully next month I'll have a really big announcement to make about that for you. Uh, outside of that, most divisions raced every week last year in the last couple of years. And it's tough because, you know, like you said, the wife wants to go away or there's a birthday party. It's, you try to manage around it, but nobody's a win when you got to miss something. So what we did this year, by adding the sixth division, we will only race all six divisions on opening night and championship night. In between those opening night and championship night, we will only race five weekly divisions, so it'll be a rotation. The Martellus Pharmacy Late Models, however, will race every week, but outside of that, so the next week maybe the, I don't have the schedule in front of me, Don, but maybe the Chargers are off, and then the streets suck. Everybody will rotate out a week, so there'll always be five divisions racing, but outside of the Late Models, everyone will know right now, it's on our website, uh, you can see which divisions have the night off. So if you want to plan to go away on a night that you don't have to miss racing, there you go. So it, it works out well. I think it's kind of, you know, racing is quite the commitment. It's another job. Yes, it's a hobby. Drivers have fun. But if you want to be successful in racing, you got to put in the time and the hours. And having knowing that you can plan a night off and not be sitting, hey, i got to hurry back on Friday so I can beat the races on Saturday. It's fair to the families and it's fair to the drivers. So we think it's a really good fit, Don. It's better than a good fit. It's an excellent idea. Well, uh, 
Any closing thoughts? We don't want to tell them too much because we've got to save a little bit for the February show. But is there anything else you'd like to touch on before we wrap this up? I just want to say again, I want to thank everybody for their continuing support. Uh, 2020 was more than we could ever imagine. I think we persevered. Hopefully we can get uh, things straightened back out you know, economically and uh, health-wise in this country, and we can just keep pushing forward in 2021. Every month I can come on the show and just keep making bigger and bigger announcements. I should give you the nickname Scoop. Huh. <laughs> <laughs> well, I'm holding a couple back, so I've got a couple yeah. for next month. We'll save. All right? <laughs> okay, Bill, I want to thank you. You have a nice evening. Thanks, Don. Always a pleasure. This portion of Rapping on Racing was brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, home of the Motor Mountain Masters. For information about upcoming events at Jennerstown Speedway, check out Jennerstown.org. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724-352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. Business owners, if your ad was here, our listeners could find out about your company. Speedway Productions has several advertising packages to fit your budget. Rappin' on Racing airs live Mondays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, RappinOnRacing.com, or Hulu Television. You can also listen on your computer, iPhone, or iPad. Don and his co-hosts present the good, the bad, and the ugly of local racing. The two-hour show features local track reports, special guests, driver interviews, and all of the national racing news. Check out the show and let us know if you are interested in becoming a marketing partner. For additional information, call 412-999-6625 or email rappinonracing at gmail.com. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rappin' on Racing. Race fans, I'm standing here right now with the 2020 Street Stock Champion of the Jennerstown Speedway, Mr. Casey Flegel. Casey, congratulations on your first ever championship. How's it feel to get that first one? Feels really good, buddy. We've been close so many times, and unfortunately we had some bad luck and things happened to come up that uh, we weren't able to capitalize, but we capitalized this year. We had a great season, a lot of a lot of good luck, and I say luck because it takes a lot of luck to uh, win a championship, and it takes a lot of luck to win races. Uh, anything can happen at any point, and... Uh, you gotta have you gotta have luck on your side. That's that's definite. Now, one thing in 2020 that you did differently in years past, you limited yourself to one car. In the past, you would run the four cylinder and the pure stock in the same night. You would run, 
you ran your street stock and your pure stock on the same night too. But it seemed like this year the focus of the team and you was just on that street stock, and you had a leading. You led the division with wins for the year and got your first championship. Would you say that was the key to the success? Yeah, uh, we always. I always did bounce around. I've always had multiple cars. I've been pretty fortunate to be able to go and race you know anywhere i wanted pretty much anywhere i wanted to go with anything i wanted to uh i've always had four cylinders laying around to go dirt racing i I still have a charger uh for the pavement and i got the street stock for the pavement but the championship uh, points championships always eluded me and i told everybody from the beginning of the year i said i'm concentrating on winning a championship this year and that was that was my sole goal and uh, we were able to we were able to capitalize on good luck and uh, we won uh, we ended up winning six out of nine races uh, we had a good car all year uh, we didn't tear we didn't tear not a single thing up all year and that's another big thing too uh, a lot of the competition you know all the other people in the class you know a lot of fun to race with them it was always clean racing every week uh, there wasn't there wasn't no beating and banging and tearing stuff up, and it's it takes it's. There's a lot of factors that go into play of uh, winning a championship. Now you've raced everything from a dirt super late model all the way down to a four cylinder. Now it seems you made the switch to asphalt a couple years ago. It seems like you made a home at Jennerstown. Um, you gained a crew chief about maybe a year and a half ago. Mark Musto came onto your team, and it seemed like that might have been the missing piece. You mentioned earlier, during the week, you work on the car, and you work on cars. But at the racetrack, you have the confidence in the crew that they are going to have that car up to what you expect. Oh, yeah. Um, definitely. Uh, in 2018, when I was running the Charger car, um, it was me and my buddy Hoyle, and we didn't know nothing about rear-wheel drive race cars. Uh, we were just we were out for fun. I mean, when we run the four-cylinder... When we when I was running the four cylinder, I knew you know everything pretty much about it because I've been doing it so long. I would just tell him what to do, and he would do it for me, and and we'd go from there. But when we got into the rear wheel drive, it was a whole new ball game, and uh, I asked Mark to come down and help me. And actually, he had knee surgery I think that year, and he was walking around with a crutch, but he still came over to help me. And uh, we got into the, we got into the street stock, and actually the car that I drive. Uh, Mark Musto built that car from the ground up. He did he he did every weld on that car. He knows every square inch of that car. If there's anybody that I want working on something, it's somebody that created it because if it wouldn't be for him, that car wouldn't be on that track. Uh, when I come in, like I said, when I come in on Saturday, when I get to the track, my job's to tow the car there and drive the car. After that, I rely on them guys, and I come in, tell them what it's doing. And they make it do what I want it to do. And uh, without them, it, it wouldn't be up front like it is. And you talked about the car. Sean Beam drove that car for one season. Then you guys acquired it. And that car has just been so consistent. And that's what you have to be. It's easier to make the car fast when you're not rebuilding it. And it shows the maturity of you as a driver. You didn't even have to replace a panel on it this year. Nope. Uh we uh, we got into a little we got into a got caught up in a little wreck there in one and two with um, Rick Melab 
I just barely, barely touched him. I was almost stopped, and I bumped into the into his side door, and it just creased the bumper cover a little bit. And uh, whenever them, when we're racing, them cars are hot. All the heat goes out, and the body's pretty much all plastic. Uh, we were in the tech shed, and I reached down underneath the hood, and I popped the dent back out, and it was perfect. I have a little mark on the hood, and we fixed that up, and uh, that was that's that was basically it for the whole season uh when you can have a season where you're not replacing body panels and pounding stuff out i mean last year i replaced door panels i had to get my wrap redone like four times i mean when you can run and not have to get any stickers printed and not have to replace any panels that's a great season and it shows by winning the championship we talked about the crew mark mosto and your buddy hoy and and everybody that works on it Let's talk about the people that help pay for the car. Who are the championship sponsors from the 2020 season? Now you're going to put me on the spot. i got to get my paper out again. Uh, my dad tows auto. Team Force, Mike Jenkins. Uh, home Team Graphics, they do the wrap. Bob Arsenberger, Arsenberger Trucking. Uh, Southside Transfer. Elite Kitchen and Bath, Blackburn Marine Distributing, Indian Lake Lodge, Sheriff Brad Kramer, uh, Memorial Highway, Chevrolet, uh, uh, 281 Screen Printing, Embroidery, Yamato, Smokey Joe's Barbecue, Pappy D's Barbecue, Indian Lake Realty, uh, Chemstream, uh, Kings and Queens, uh, John Morocco, A&R Bodies, uh, W. Jeffrey Carey, my family, uh, my grandfather, Jim Barron, Barron Trucking. Uh, there's some, everybody. I mean, there's so many people on there. That's what I said when I, I was giving my speech earlier. I, I wrote that down on, I wrote everybody's name down on a piece of paper, and I was forgetting people sitting in the office at the garage while I was at work trying to write down the people's names, you know. And I say I say all the time in Victory Lane that I'm going to write a list so I have everybody's name so I don't forget anybody. And I really and I really do need to do that. And I have the list now. So hopefully next year uh, we're fortunate enough to win some more races and uh, I can recite that list. What does 2021 hold? Are you going to stay with the street stock? Are you going to stay with one car or... I know um, you're interested in that new late model class, but then again, we talked earlier tonight about how one car resulted in one championship. So you want to go back and defend or try to do uh, two cars again? We got to go back to defend. Uh, I'm confident that uh, we can get the job done again next year in the street stocks. Uh, Don't be surprised if you don't see a 113 pro stock late model though because uh we got one in the works right now and yes it will be a ford casey where did the uh number 113 come from um when i was racing four cylinder there were so many people that had the number 13 and i run 13c for a while and then i bought a i bought another car off my buddy uh and it was 68 it was already lettered it was 68 it was ray Wright. So I, I adopted the 68 number, but I put a C behind it for, for me because there was another 68 at the time, which was him and Andrew Pluto. 
so I became a 68C, and then over the next winter, uh, when I paint, repainted my car, I was going to be 13 again, but I didn't want to have a letter. So them guys said to me, well, why don't you just make it 113? I said, yeah, that sounds pretty cool. I like that. Well, I made it 113, and it just stuck from there. Well, Casey, we appreciate you taking time out on your championship night. And uh, I'll tell you what, we wish you luck in 2021. Thanks, buddy. Appreciate it. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, Powertech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway would like to thank all of our marketing partners who've helped make the 2020 season a huge success. Deal Automotive, Admar Construction Equipment, Keystone Coachworks, Crawford Auto Repair, Always Safe Traffic Control, Calusi Chevrolet, RockAuto.com, Mastro Ice, RacingJunk.com, Miley Truck Rental, Falcone's Moon Township Automotive, K&N Filters, Yingling, Octane Graphics, Precise Racing Products, Allegheny West Magazine, Zarin Truck and Automotive, Basel Race Fuels, Coca-Cola, and Summit Racing Equipment. PPMS would also like to congratulate our 2020 division champions. In the late models, Ben Police. In the pro stocks, Dave McManus. In the hobby stocks, Stephen Sheltman. In the four cylinders, Philip Bubeck. And in the young guns, Noah Bubeck. Be sure to check out ppms.com during the entire offseason and get all the information you need about the 2021 season at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. All right, fans, joining us now, Alex Free. Alex, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Don. I'm doing well. Big news, big news, and we're going to talk about it, the fact that you have teamed up with Lynn Geisler, but, but we, before we get too far ahead of this, uh, a little bit about your career. I understand you spent a little bit of time in go-kart. Yeah, just a few years. I was, uh, what's the right way to say it? I was a, a little bit of a tank when I was younger. I still am a big boy, but I was even bigger back then, so trying to run rookie against uh, little kids that were, you know, 60 pounds or 50 pounds, and I'm 100-something was always rough. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. I remember Dad cutting bars out, and there wasn't a lot to do. Well, you can do with a cart, but I remember that type of stuff, and made it interesting. So, my youngest son, I took him go karting once. Now he was six two and one hundred and thirty pounds. He said, "Dad, I can't compete with these kids. My shoes weigh more than they do." But okay, so, so then you um, you decided to. Uh, Step up into the the limited lates in '97. Uh, it's obvious how you got started in the sport because of your dad. I mean, the family. Uh, the limited late racing was that just at Pittsburgh, Lernerville? Where was that? 
just Pittsburgh. Uh, the first year, I don't even know how many races I ran. I ended up breaking my foot on a motorcycle, and then me and my sisters actually shared the car for that year. And then the, the second year, 98, was still just a Pittsburgh and won, I think, five shows and lost the points to Dave Wade by, like, five or ten or something, something small. I know that. So that was my first two years of racing in, at Pittsburgh. And then I thought going to Supers the following year in 99, I was going to set the world on fire and proceeded to stink. So it's, everyone thinks you can move up and it's going to be easy and great. And, and it's just, it's not. Some people can do it. There's definitely guys out there that have the ability, like Kyle Larson, but I was not one of them. Well, you just years. needed some seat time. Yeah. Yeah. Now, I, I ask you, what do you think is the best part of racing? And it's it's a given, the friends and family that you've made over the years. And your your regular family you're with all the time. But your racing family, yeah, two, three nights a week, you're with your racing family. And they're great people. Oh, yeah. I mean, the amount of friends and family and people I've met over the years and and just the, the drop of the hat that guys will do something for you in the racing community. I mean, the perfect example I have was, was Junior Nolan. I... So on my way to Tyler County one night, and my training with my clutch went out on my my tow truck, my tow vehicle, my Dodge Dually, and I called Junior up, and he had a guy come deliver me a truck, and actually took mine back and got the training fixed and delivered it back out to my place at the shop for me, Franklin. So, I mean, you know, not very many other businesses out there, or not should say businesses, but hobbies or something like that, will will guys you know do that much for you for just for just because. You know your friends and family. That's what you do. Yeah, and you know there's guys they'll they'll run the fenders off the car on the track, but then they'll come in the pits and help you put them back on. It's oh yeah, I love it. Yep. The tough part, I guess, is being away from the family on race nights. And I know that uh, Brenda's been bringing the boys to the races, and they're gonna they're gonna get used to being in victory lane. And I think this year will be no exception. I hope so. We'll see. I. I have a feeling, I mean, definitely have the right tools around me with Lynn and the knowledge he has and all my crew of what we bring together to the table. So I'm hoping everything's there to do it. Just hopefully everything falls the way it should and, and you get lucky because, I mean, that's definitely a part of this game. Something is getting a little luck involved. Yeah, but when so. you look at the talent you bring to the table and the car you're going to be driving, I mean, wow. It's it's like a, a, a marriage made in heaven. It's just wonderful. You know, speaking of marriage, I, I asked you if you couldn't go racing, what would you do? You said, drive your wife crazy. So she's probably glad you're racing. Yeah, I, I do that already. But if I was home all the time, it'd be worse, I'm sure. So There can't be a lot of time, but any hobbies? Uh, not really. I might play a little ice hockey just for some exercise. And that's about it. I'd like to fish a little more, but you know, summer's coming. You always have the intentions of going out and just never make it out because they're always busy doing stuff at the car and a little bit of time I have free I usually end up just being at home right now with the two kids and that's that's why this whole deal with Lynn kind of is a perfect situation for me because you know the past few years I've been doing a lot of traveling and it was great when we had one kid it was wasn't horrible you know it was still a lot of work to do between the car and the family and getting everybody together and getting to the track let alone all the other work but then with two kids just trying to to coordinate all that to do all the travel and I've been doing it it's just it hasn't been hasn't been the easiest thing so I think this year I'm tr- I was already thinking about scaling back some and running Lernerville a good bit more because I only live I'm closer than 10 miles to Lernerville so you know for Brenda to bring the two boys to the racetrack and for my family to come to the track I mean it's, you know when you drive three hours to a race 
I can't expect my sisters and you know both my sisters or two of my sisters have four kids each, and my other sister has a couple dogs. But to expect them to travel three hours to a race is just you know I don't expect that. But when they go seven miles to the track and watch me race, it'll be great. And I mean, you know they help my wife get there with the kids, and you know it's just one big family affair. And it's great for Longerville, great for racing, great for everything. And that's three hours to get there, and then it's another three hours to get home. Yeah, yeah. I mean. I love Lunarville. It's been my second home for a lot of years, but, you know, Port Royal is an amazing racetrack, been out there. There's a lot of amazing racetracks, you know, out east, out west. It doesn't matter where you go. There's just a lot of good racetracks. You know, Latrobe's opening back up, and, you know, Dog Hollow's opening back up, and there are so many great racetracks. It's just Lunarville is so nice and close to home, and it's a great racetrack. It's, you know, they're definitely, the Thompsons are doing an amazing job here in the past few years, and, you know, add to the purse and doing a bunch of other things, and, you know, the facility and painting everything and what they did to the wolf the wall i mean just what they've been do- doing is always they're always trying to do better themselves which is great fans if you're just joining us we're talking to super late model driver alex Faree. Um, take a minute and mention something maybe pretty memorable in your racing <laughs> uh, there's too many and it's, it's that family thing i mean there's one of the good ones, I don't even know how it got started. We had a marshmallow fight with the tech guys down at Pittsburgh one night with <laughs> Joe Corrado and his daughter and me and Brenda, and I think Pegger was involved. I mean, it was a, there were three or four pit crews throwing marshmallows back and forth, forth in the pits. The one official picked one up and ate it. I mean, it was a blast. It was, it, it was so memorable that, you know, Angela Corrado and Fred Bratchy and all them actually brought marshmallows to my wedding and stepped up <laughs> during the reception and threw marshmallows at us. So, I mean, that was... And it, it, it bled over into my normal life. I mean, it was, that was a that was a great time. I mean, of course, the wins too. I mean, some of the bigger ones, you know. I mean, not that it was the biggest one I ever had, but the the Dave Hoffman Memorial. I mean, Dave was a mentor to me. I mean, I told, tell a lot of people this that Dave and Dave worked for my family for years, and you know, Monday morning I'd come in and talk to my dad a little bit about what I did wrong, and of course, he could never tell me what was wrong or he could tell me what was wrong and he was always right I'm not saying he wasn't I just never listened to him but for some reason Dave told me I could listen to Dave I, I don't know why I mean Dave definitely helped me a lot through the years and I'm sure I guarantee you I know my dad was telling me the same thing but I just didn't hear it from him for some reason that father son how that works when you're that age you think you know more than your dad I guess yeah looking yeah. back it's, it's yeah you know, so he still knows more Dave wasn't a stranger, but a stranger would tell you something, and it was a little more significant than what Dad might have said. Yeah, 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 exactly. So winning the Dave Hoffman Memorial, the first one they had there, was that was that was special to me. That was one of the bigger race wins I've had. How about favorite drivers? Do you ever have a favorite driver other than Dad? We'll take him out of the mix. Dad, uh, um, I always like Rick Eckert and Billy Moyer. Um, them too. I mean, Rick's always smiling, always looks like he's having a good time at the racetrack. You know, Billy Moyer, just Mr. Smooth. Uh, those would be the top two on my list, I think. You know, Rick is a super nice guy. I've met him, I mean, before I even started racing, I met him a few times, and he was just always took the time and talked to you and was just an amazing guy. I never, I talked to Billy a few times here and there, just not as much as Rick, so I can't really say, I'm sure Billy's just as nice of a guy. I just, Rick was always so nice and so approachable as a guy before I even started racing. And then once I started racing, he's still super nice. You know, need a part, he lends it to you, no problem. He's just a great guy. You say people assume you're younger than you are. Uh, would it be tacky to ask you how old you are? <laughs> no. I turned a big 4-0 this year, so. Wow. Yeah, I don't know. I, I, I think since I started racing, I was always the younger guy in the crowd, and I was, you know, the young, the young driver. It, it's just... 
everyone keeps thinking that. Where now it's you know I'm not that anymore. I'm, I'm the I'm the the season. I'm maybe not the seasoned veteran. Well, I'm probably a seasoned veteran, you know. And then you got the younger, young up and coming guys. Like I mean, Norris is already he's not up and coming anymore. He's already here. I mean, he's winning a lot of races and he's super fast and super good. But you know, you got Tyler Deese just moving up the class and a bunch of other guys. You know, they're the they're the new crop coming in, and we need that fresh blood to, to keep it going. Let's talk titles. I know you have a bunch at Lernerville, a couple at Pittsburgh, a couple with the UFO. What is your championship total? Um, I believe it's 10. Yeah. I think six at Lernerville, three, three in a row twice, and then two UFOs back-to-back, and then the two at Pittsburgh. Two at Pittsburgh. Think, yeah. Yeah. The, the, I think it was 07, 08, and 09, I want to say, at Lernerville. And 07, 08 was UFO. I won you know, two both those years. And then I, I, with Joe, I don't remember what year exactly for with Joe for some reason. I want to say it was 13, 14, and 15, I think, at Lernerville. And then Pittsburgh, I think 13 and 14 or 14 and 15. I don't remember which ones. You won a bunch of races with Joe. Nice fellow. I always liked Joe. Um, yeah. So uh, this doesn't happen by accident, and it takes a couple of bucks. So let's highlight your sponsors. Oh, definitely. I mean, the new biggest one coming on board now, getting on with, with Lynn's going to be number one, Cochran. Now it's, I mean, I think it's been 40 years Lynn's been with Cochran, I want to say. 40 years, old. yes. That's, that's amazing. I mean, that's, I'm not going to lie, when I was younger and didn't know any better, and, you know, we're talking, I don't even know, 10, 8, 10 years old, and, you know, Lynn and my dad were arch enemies I always thought in my head at Lernerville, you know, back then. But then I, was, I grew up and started, you know, got older and started racing. Lynn's another awesome racer, you know, super nice guy. And that number one Cochran's just been a staple in Western PA. And, I mean, the amount of races that man's won at Lernerville. So the honor to get in the number one Cochran car is, is really cool. I just hope I can I can live up to the, the what's the right word? The, not the stigma's not right, but the. I can even put my shoes on the same because those are big feet to fill for what Lynn's done in that car over the years. And Pegger had awesome years in that car also. So Then, of course, we have Franklin Racing and Butler RV Center, American Diecast, um, Belay Oil, Moody Sales and Service, and Bachman Trucking. I mean, they're all, they all help me out a ton. I can't say enough about that. Um, of course, Rocket and Cornet Engines and Dorham with Lynn this year. I have a Dorham Ford this year with Lynn stuff, so... A little bit of everything there. It's funny. We mentioned the 40 years, and I had uh, lunch with Carrie and Travis today. And I knew the story, but I'm going to share it with the listeners. When Lynn and Susan and Jim House went over to talk to Bob Cochran, uh, Travis hadn't arrived yet. His mom was still pregnant. So he remembers that 40 years pretty clear. He just turned a big 4-0. But, uh, yeah. you know, the, the the backstory, and I'm not sure if Lynn shared it with you or not, but when Mike decided that he was going to hang it up, uh, Lynn and I were talking. And I said, you have anybody in mind? He said, no. I said, why don't you talk to Alex Faree? And the rest is history. And I think it was a wise decision. I'm glad you guys got together. And I really like the idea that you're going to be... 10 minutes from home, seven miles, whatever, and and your wife and the kids and your sister, the whole family can be there, have a nice time, and be home to watch the 11 o'clock news. Yes. Yep. That's, that is a huge bonus. So I, I, that's an amazing thing. And, and getting the family back involved and getting people there is going to be fun. Yes.
Yes, I know Jack Crow's pretty happy because he loves Lernerville and he loves that number one Cochran car. Uh, how about your pit crew, the guys that uh, they're kind of coming with you as part of the deal? Yeah, yeah, uh, Todd Savage. I mean, he's he's been with me for a long time. Mike Morgan, he's been he. I actually raced against him in limited lates at Pittsburgh for years, and then he quit racing and started helping me. I mean, that's been who he's been with me for a long, long time. Uh, Earl White and uh, Mason Morgan, Mike's boy. I mean, they all they've been with me for the past. I don't even know how long. A while, and they're they're all great guys, and they put in a ton of work every week. And uh, I just can't say enough about them guys. And I'm hoping Mike Bruner, who always helped out. Mike Pegger with the 1C car. I'm hoping he'll come along and help us out, too, because he's a great worker. I watched him for years with Pegger and them two, what they've done, and the amount of work he puts in. So I'm kind of hoping I can pick him up and keep him involved, and that would be huge. That you, know, you can never have too much help. I know that. The chemistry for this team is incredible, and I know that the people that uh, saw the posting on Facebook, and uh, I told you it's approaching almost 10,000 people that have seen your picture with the Cochrane car, and everybody's excited about what's going to happen. And I think the other competitors are probably thinking, oh, geez, how did this ever <laughs> happen? Now we're going to have to deal with these two teams that are just so successful over the years i yeah i'm sure there might be a couple that way but i'm sure a couple of other ones are looking forward to the challenge too because there's definitely a lot of good racers i mean joe Corrado and jared Mahali and you know mike norris and i mean just you go down that list uh matt locks and i'm sure if russ king comes out at all i mean he, those are all what what learnerville gets for cars when they get the good cars it's a, it's an impressive field of race cars the fans don't realize how lucky they are. Well, we're, we're coming up on a break. Any closing thoughts? Is there anybody you need to thank? Uh, definitely my wife, Brenda. I mean, the amount of support I get from her and just the amount of effort and time, you know, that racing takes, the amount of effort she puts into my, our marriage because it's, it's definitely a, a, a brutal thing for some marriages and, and for her to be as gracious as she is and as loving to me as she is, is is definitely the first one. And, of course, my two boys, hopefully I can get them in victory lane a lot more, Hayden and Theo. I mean, they've both been there last year a couple times now, but hopefully we get get doing a lot more winning. It's always a good thing, and, and get them down there in victory lane. And my mom and dad, uh, without them I wouldn't be here, and the support they've given me to get me to this point has just been unreal. Um, I know I'm missing. I mean, all the other all the other crew guys along the, the way, and the car owner Joe. I mean, the amount of the amount of support I've had from different people, uh, just that family thing. I mean, the amount of the amount of guys that have been through Fred Veracci and Randy and Rich Stroop, and I, I mean, there's just been so many different people, Dan Pizzuto, that have helped me out over the years and and, and done so much for me. It's, it's you know, and I, you, I'm missing tons of people because there's been so many. It's, it's just ridiculous, you know, of what what goes into somebody and, and gets them to where you're at where I'm at in my career, I should say. When we talk about your wife, your mom, your sisters, the ladies in racing are very special because of the sacrifices and the commitment that they make so that someone like yourself can race. Yeah. I mean, I know people hear it a lot, but the amount of time during the week, you know, just for us to go and spend, you know, 20 minutes racing is all we really probably do at the racetrack, if that. You know, I mean, we're it's a full other job, full time job, but to, during the week to be competitive, right. that's that's one of my bigger downfalls. As much as I hate to admit it, just the competitiveness that I have. I mean, if I could just turn that off and just have fun, it would be a whole lot more fun racing. But I I want to win. You know, and that's that's 
that makes us think when you're having rough years. It makes it harder on everybody around you because you know we want, I want to be competitive. So that, that's always rough. But uh, you know, just going through that and, and just being supportive. Well, Alex Faree, I want to thank you for being with us. And what we'll do for your first Victory Lane interview, we'll pick up on anybody you think about that we didn't have a chance to thank tonight. Okay, that sounds really good. All right, thanks. Are you in need of financial planning or portfolio review? Rick Sabo of RPS Financial Solutions is an independent financial planner who has testified as an expert witness on insurance and investment fraud. He helps people who are concerned about their portfolio or with other financial matters. His services include investments, pension, and 401k rollovers, estate planning, life insurance, and long-term care alternatives. As a registered IRS tax preparer, he can assist retirees with the completion of property tax rebate forms and other government tax reduction programs at no charge. Mr. Sabo does not charge a fee to meet with potential clients for a fact find. His office is located at 5061 Route 8, Gibsonia, PA. If you are in need of any of the services that he provides, give him a call at 724-443-5720. That's 724-443-5720. Or email him at rick.sabo at jwcemail.com. Securities offered through J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, member of FINRA SIPC. Advisory services offered through J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated, neither J.W. Cole Advisors Incorporated or J.W. Cole Financial Incorporated, nor its representatives provide legal, tax preparation, or accounting advice. Persons who provide such advice do so in a capacity other than as a registered representative of J.W.C.A., J.W.C. RPS Financial Solutions and J.W.C., J.W.C.A. are unaffiliated entities. fans joining us now 18 year old logan zarin one of the promising new faces in short track racing logan good evening how are you i'm doing well how are you i'm good you know i uh, i've been watching you since you started racing locally uh but i find it funny when i ask you about your jobs in racing you said you drive it and you wash it that that seems like a pretty uh light schedule for you who does all the work dad i mean now that I'm starting to get get the hang of it, me, I, me, and my buddy, my buddy Logan, and then my crew guy Luke, my dad, we pretty much work on it all week. But now it's kind of a team effort. Now that I know what I'm doing, so we're all chipping in for it. Now you spent six years in the go karts, and uh, is this your you're going into your second or third year in the crates? This will be my this will be my fourth year next season. Fourth year. Okay. And you had a lot of success in the go-karts. We'll get to that in a minute. Um, I, I found it interesting, your your thoughts on the best part of racing, making the big races, obviously, and you've done that. And the four-wide salute, that's something that the fans love. They're up, standing up, waving their hats, whatever, cheering. And that adds a little something special to the race when it starts. Um, when you're doing that, I guess 
yeah, it takes a little bit of effort to get everybody where they're supposed to be, but I like that answer. That's that's pretty good. Um, obviously, the toughest thing in racing is fixing things that you break, uh, but uh, that's that's part of it. You just got to deal with it. Now, if you couldn't go racing, what would you do? Um, I'd probably race dirt bikes. Um, all of my buddies are into it, so if I wasn't racing cars, I'd probably start racing motocross. Now, I know you're... Uh, what I understand, a pretty good hockey player. Uh, let's talk about that. Is it Moon High School you play for that team? Yeah, I play for Moon High School. Um, I'm on my last season right now. It's my senior year, so I'm trying to make the best out of that and uh, get ready for racing season. Now, your buddies on the hockey team, are, do they understand what you do on a Saturday night, or do you keep the two separate? Um, yeah, some of my close buddies on the team, um, they – they grew up with me, so they knew I was, I was involved in racing. So they know what I'm doing. And then when I'm not racing, I go watch them race dirt bikes because that's what most of them do. So kind of like a hands-for-hands kind of thing. I, I do what they do, and then I, they do what I do. Hockey players are pretty tough, so I guess that's an advantage for a racer to be pretty tough. Uh, wanna yeah, talk, definitely. I want to talk about your first win, a little bit about that. I think it was at Tri-City. Yeah, my, my first Win was a non-qualifier at Tri-City my first year. Um, it's kind of new for me because it was a short track, and I really wasn't used to it. But um, we had a pretty good car that night, and I ended up winning the uh, non-qualifier for the Rush Series. So it was a pretty cool experience. Um, and this year I got, got my first three actual wins, so that was, a, that was pretty cool. So we had a really good season. Everybody has that moment they'd like to forget in racing, and I understand you had a pretty bad night at Pittsburgh. What was that all about? Um, I had a couple bad nights in Pittsburgh, but uh, probably this year I was trying to pass with the lead, and I got hung up with uh, Keith Barber. So that was probably my probably my worst experience in a race car. Now, so that was uh, that was pretty heart wrenching for me. But yeah, I got through it, and I ended up picking up a couple wins a little later after that. Now, it's obvious with your dad being a successful racer at Pittsburgh uh, that that would be an influence on getting involved in this sport. But I understand your uncle bought your first go-kart. Let's talk a little bit about that. How old were you? And uh, let's pick up the story from there. Um, I think I was 10 years old, and um, there was a local car track right by my house. So we went out there one night and um, instantly fell in love with racing. So kind of was hounding my parents, hounding my uncle, and then, I ended up getting some money for my communion, and then my uncle picks in the rest, and then that's when my racing season, uh, career started. Now, you mentioned go-karts, and you had a lot of championships at Noggle Speedway. I think uh, it's amazing how many go-kart champions or successful go-kart drivers can segue into full-size race cars. Uh, a lot of them in sprint cars, some occasionally in a modified, and now with you in a late model. And when I think two of the names that come out right away is uh, Dave and Dale Blaney. I mean, uh, excellent. But there was a night at North Hills Raceway many years ago where there was a match race between Bob Waring and Lynn Geisler. And you would have thought it paid 10000 to win in go-karts. And couple examples especially Geisler he won championships all over the United States and uh, a lot of people didn't know that and how do I know it because I he was uh, they were uh, clearing out a barn on his property and he said what am I going to do with all these carts and uh, all these cart trophies there must have been a hundred of them 
and uh, we're little by little we're distributing. Uh, we gave a lot of them to Tim Schaefer for down at his Speedway, but that's another story. All right, if you're just joining us, we're talking to 18-year-old Logan Zarin, one of the new faces in motorsports, and a guy with a pretty bright future. Um, a lot of people see you; they think you're older than you are, which is good. It shows you're mature. But you're a senior at Moon High School, finishing up the school year there. Now, I, th- I think I know the answer, but uh, what do you plan to do when you graduate? Um, I'm going to work for my dad, and then my, my goal is that I want to drive for a living, race race cars, so I'm going to try to work for it and get to the Lucas Series eventually. But when I'm home, I'm going to work for my dad for the trucking company and then probably drive a truck a little bit. So, But my ultimate goal is that uh, I want to race for a living, so we'll see how that goes. Uh, a lot of people are involved with your team. Let's take a minute and thank your sponsors. Obviously, Zarin Trucking and Automotive, but who are some of the other ones? Um, Lovell Enterprises is a big part of my racing program. Um, Way Oil was also really big. Then I got um, Tomas Towing, Bazzetti's Hardware, um, Wheels, Wings, and Wishes Foundation, Castellar Landscape, um, Integra Racing Shocks, KBC Graphics. Uh, rocket chassis. Um, that's pretty much it. Now, the guys that are helping this team be successful, the pit crew, how about them? Um, of course, my dad, he does. I wouldn't be here without him. And then I got um, my right hand man, Logan, um, my crew chief, Luke. Um, Bobby, he's a, he's a help too. Um, and then my sister, and then my girlfriend, and my mother. And they just come to watch and support me. Now, your girlfriend, Fran, uh, was she or is she now a race fan because you two are dating? Uh, she had no idea what racing was at first, and then I, she found out what I did, and then I started bringing her to the track. So she's a, she gets into it now, and it's, it's pretty cool to see that. Yeah. Hey, a, a question with two Logans on the team. If somebody, if you're in a garage and someone hollers Logan, how do you deal with that? Do you go with last names, nicknames? How does that work? Uh, I call my crew guy Logan. I call him Bob. So everybody knows him as Bob around the shop. That's that would uh, that would distinguish who they're talking to. Now, yeah, I know you have a really big uh, thing coming up for 2021. Uh, big announcement. Let's talk about that. Um, so it all started a couple months ago. We went out to uh, Pro Power in Wisconsin for. Bill and Josie, they're great people. Um, they ended up selling us a motor from Pro Power, and then we ordered. Uh, we got a new car coming from Rocket, so we're going to try to tackle some uh, ULMS events this season, and then some bigger shows, Lucas shows. But I'm going to get my feet wet in the Super Late Models next year. Well, you definitely got a good combination with the engine and with the Rocket chassis. Uh, now, when this decision came about, uh, how is that going to impact or affect your uh, great late model? Um, I'm not going to run crates as much. I'm going to try to hit the bigger bigger events, the bigger paying events in Lawrenceville, Pittsburgh, and then wherever the big money is for the crates. But I really want to start my career in the Supers and then eventually go full-time in the Supers. That is an excellent uh, uh, plan. And, you know, when I say one of the future uh, stars, one of the new faces in racing, you've got it all. I mean, you've got the perfect combination. You've got uh, your parents, Jim and Nikki, that are behind you. You've got some good sponsors, good pit crew, uh, and success. Um, life is good for Logan Zarin. Yeah. Um, yeah, I got, I, got, I got really fortunate. My, my parents, they support me, everything for racing and then 
all my great sponsors that support me too. Um, most of the people that support me, they're, they're in the racing, so it kind of makes it easier on them. And then my parents, I mean, they grew up in racing, so they want to do everything they can to get me to succeed. So, yeah, I got a, I got a great backing behind me, so I'm really fortunate for that. Now, as a second-generation driver of a successful late-model driver, uh, do you and Dad agree all the time? And if you don't, how does that work out? Um, most of the time, we do agree, but um, there's sometimes we butt heads. We find a happy medium between us both. So, But uh, most of the time, me and my dad agree on the most part. Well, Logan, I want to thank you for being with us. I'm excited about your future plans, and I want to be able to say, geez, I know the kid when he first started, and I know you're going to be successful, and I want to wish you the best in 2021. Thank you. I really appreciate it. Thanks for having me on the show. You have a nice evening. You too. This portion of today's program is brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex is located in the scenic Laurel Mountains of Somerset County, Pennsylvania, in the town of Jennerstown, at the intersections of Route 30 and Route 985. Experience the thrill of Jennerstown Speedway with its 550 feet of 6-degree straightaways and over 700 feet of 9-degree sweeping corners. Jennerstown Speedway serves as the host for five divisions of weekly racing series every Saturday evening from May to September Weekly divisions include late models, modifieds, street stocks, charger, and the Fast and Furious 4s. Special events include IMSA Super Modifieds, Super Cup Stock Car Series, the Race of Champions Modifieds, Spectator Gates open at 4 p.m. with racing starting at 6 p.m., allowing for even the youngest fans the opportunity to experience the entire action-packed show. The ownership and staff of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex take great pride in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. At the completion of each weekly event, everyone in attendance is invited into the pit area to meet their favorite drivers and see the cars up close and in person. For upcoming events and special promotions, you can visit Jennerstown.org or follow them on Facebook. Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Tom Lang. All right, fans. Up next with some drag racing news is Tom Lang. Tom, good evening. How are you? Good evening, Don. It's a pleasure to join you as always. I thank you. Hey, the first week of December, they had an early season snowstorm in the Pittsburgh area. 
But apparently it didn't bother you as you were hopping on an airplane for a flight to Florida to squeeze in one more race to complete the 2020 season. How did it go? Uh, it went well. And um, you're right about the snowstorm. Uh, I had a window seat for our flight out of Pittsburgh, and I was uh, taking a picture out the window as they were de-icing the plane, and there's snow everywhere and whatnot. And I'm texting that out to some friends of ours uh, before we took off. Well, it was after 10 at night when we landed in Tampa, so I had to wait until the next morning to send out a shot of a beautiful sunshine. Uh, the weather wasn't all that was pleasant for the P2 contracting team as they put on a spectacular performance at the 49th Annual Snowbird Nationals at Bradenton Motorsports Park. Uh, the format for the ProMod class at the Snowbirds is different from the PDRA, where the nitrous cars have a separate class for themselves, and then the supercharged and turbocharged cars, uh, they all run in a category called Pro Boost. And in the NHRA, they combine all those classes, and they all have different weight breaks, but they don't permit screw-type superchargers. Now, the Snowbirds, that runs similar to many of the Outlaw Pro Mod style races where all the cars run in one class, but there are weight breaks and uh, rules restrictions like uh, overdrive restrictions for the supercharger that attempt to keep all those various combinations on an even footing. Uh, Kurt Stedding, owner and driver of the P2 contract in Camaro, and his teammate and crew chief Todd Tuttero both replaced their traditional root-style superchargers with the PSI screw-type blowers for this race. A Stedding took advantage of two days of pre-race testing to get his new combination sorted out, while Pottero left his car in the trailer until qualifying began. The Friday night qualifying session got rained out, so the teams had three shots on Saturday to earn a spot in the 16-car field. Both cars made good, solid runs in the in, uh, first round of qualifying. Tadaro 3.667, standing just a skosh quicker at 3.656, which put them number four and five in the field. In the second qualifier, Tadaro improved to a 3.654, while Stedding's car blew the tires off at the hit. The final qualifying session was run in the evening, and that cool night air gave all the cars a little horsepower boost from Mother Nature. Uh, right before Stedding ran, Jim Halsey snatched a number one qualifier spot with a 3.592 at 210.77 mile per hour, which was the first ever run in the 350 range for a nitrous-powered ProMod car. Stedding made a hearty effort to take away that number one spot, but came up just a bit short. Kurt ran a career-best 3.603 seconds at 212.86 mile per hour. Tadaro was in the final pair to go down the track in that third session, and his car was on a killer run, but it drifted out of the groove and started heading towards the left side retaining wall. Uh, Todd stayed with it as long as he could, but discretion being the better part of valor, he was forced to lift. After analyzing the short times, Todd estimated that his car was on a 3.58-second pass, which would have taken the number one spot away from Halsey. Uh, he had to settle for the number nine spot in what most knowledgeable ProMod enthusiasts agreed was one of the toughest fields in ProMod history. 
The top 14 cars all ran sub 3.7 second runs in qualifying. Cannonsburg PA's John Camp qualified number seven with a 3.658. With Stedding number two and Tuttero number nine, they were on opposite sides of the ladder, which meant they wouldn't face each other until the final round if they were both able to get there. On race day, Stedding and Tuttero knocked out the competition one round at a time. King Tut ran low ET of eliminations at 3.614 to take the win over Chris Storm's turbo car, which set top speed of the meet at 221 miles per hour. Uh, the only car other than Stedding, Tuttero, and Halsey to get over 210 miles per hour. Todd then beat number one qualifier Jim Halsey with a 390 as his car got loose again, forcing him to pedal it a bit, which knocked off some ET. In the semis, Tuttero outran Dean Marinas, a 356 to a 366, which advanced Todd to the final round. On the other side of the ladder, Stedding was also breaking some hearts. In round one, he hammered Derek Ward, both on the tree and down the track, a 364 to a 373. In round two, Stedding faced Johnny Camp, who's practically his neighbor. They live about 15 minutes apart. These two seem to run into each other almost everywhere that they go these days. This time it was Stedding who got the best of camp, a 362 to a 365. In the semis, Kurt was a bit off at the starting line, allowing Lizzie Musi to get the jump on him, but he ran her down with a 3.619 at 211 mile an hour to handle Lizzie's 374 at 206. With teammates facing each other in the final, there's always that question about team orders. Was one driver going to lay down for the other? Two things. One, although the cars have very similar paint schemes and are run out of the same shop in the same pit, they are not partners. The two operations are separate entities on the business side of racing. And two, and most important of all, if you think either one of these guys are willing to lay down for somebody, well, you just don't know these guys. But before the final, there was some intrigue and some thrashing. Trotter-Rose car was picking on the front two cylinders all race long, and before the final, the team had to change the number one and two pistons, so there was some work to do. Stedding's car actually missed a shift in the semis, and with no spare transmission, the team wasn't sure if it was going to shift in the final. During all the thrashing, Todd, who's the tuner on both cars, asked Kurt, how fast he wanted to run in the final. Kurt's reply was, how fast are you going to go? Todd replied, I'm planning to go fast enough to beat you, otherwise I wouldn't be putting pistons in it. In the final round, Tuttero got off the line first, but Stedding was quickly catching him when at 2.7 seconds into the run, Stedding's engine let go in a flash of fire. He still coasted across the finish line at 3.668 seconds at only 195 mile per hour, while Tuttero again had to pedal his car but stayed ahead to take the win, a 3.65 at 2.06. The margin of victory was .028 seconds. The team decided to put both cars in a winner circle picture, so at, was argue, at what was arguably the toughest field in ProMod history, Tuttero and Stedding managed to put both of their team's cars in the final round. That was pretty sweet. You know, what little I know about 
Pro Mod Racing. I know neither one of those guys was going to lay down for anything. No, you weren't going to. They wouldn't let their brother, their mother, anybody going to beat them. So uh, it was kind of interesting listening to people ask that. And the looks they got from those two guys was like, are you kidding me? That just ain't going to happen. Tom, I understand the flight home had a local racing connection that proved to be quite interesting. Uh, yes, uh, both on the way down and the way back, we had to change planes in Atlanta. On the flight home from Tampa to Atlanta, I was downloading some of the video I shot to my laptop. So while we're waiting to board the Pittsburgh flight in Atlanta, I was watching some of the video, and I noticed a gentleman who was sitting a couple seats away from me, because they, they have you all spaced out there at the airport. Well, this gentleman's kind of looking over my shoulder at the videos. Well, I brought up the video of the final round, which showed car, Kurt's car blowing up. So I moved a couple of seats away so I could show the video to the rest of the team. And uh, then we were able to get on the plane. Well, Kurt was seated in front of me, and the guy who was sort of peeping at my videos was seated directly across the aisle from Kurt. As the gentleman was sitting down, I realized that he was John Anderson, son of the legendary Big Jim Anderson, who is extremely well-known at Pittsburgh Area Motorsports. John also happens to be the crew chief on Dave Norris's ProMod. So, you know, we had a chance to do some ProMod talking. Well, here, John's a mechanic for Delta Airlines. He flies to Atlanta every weekend to work on airplanes and then flies home to uh, spend the week here in Pittsburgh. So he was on his return trip and happened to be on the flight with us. So it was a great opportunity to do some bench racing on the ride home. And uh, it was a lot better than watching one of those movies they have on the plane. For, for sure. Hey, so when does the 2021 season start? Well, for us, it's going to start the end of January. They have uh, a race back there at Bradenton Motorsports Park. It's called the uh, U.S. Street Nationals, which, frankly, I don't know what Street Nationals has to do with pro mods, but they do have a uh, pro mod field there. So uh, we're going to go down there and uh, test some more changes we made for next season because the PDRA is allowing screw superchargers in pro boots next year, although the rules are kind of restrictive, so we got to get some testing done on the new combination. So uh, if all goes as planned, uh, I'm going to be heading down and see some sun down there in Florida at the end of January. Sounds like a really good race for the two uh Team, no, I get, they're not team cars, but the, the two cars, uh, excellent race for them. Yeah, it was. Uh, and, you know, it was pretty cool to be there for a race that uh, was somewhat historic. When you know how many really top-quality cars are there, and just to, to be there and uh, see that stuff as it's happening, because people are going to be talking about that race for a while, so... It was definitely a treat to be able to take part in that. Good report. You have a nice evening. We'll talk to you for the next show. Very good. Thanks, Don. This portion of today's program was brought to you by Alternative Power Sources. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex is located in the scenic Laurel Mountains of Somerset County, Pennsylvania, in the town of Jennerstown, at the intersections of Route 30 and Route 985. Experience the thrill of Jennerstown Speedway with its 550 feet of 6-degree straightaways and over 700 feet of 9-degree sweeping corners. 
Jennerstown Speedway serves as the host for five divisions of weekly racing series every Saturday evening from May to September. Weekly divisions include late models, modifieds, street stocks, charger, and the Fast and Furious 4s. Special events include IMSA Super Modifieds, Super Cup Stock Car Series, the Race of Champions Modifieds, Spectator Gates open at 4 p.m. with racing starting at 6 p.m., allowing for even the youngest fans the opportunity to experience the entire action-packed show. The ownership and staff of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex take great pride in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. At the completion of each weekly event, everyone in attendance is invited into the pit area to meet their favorite drivers and see the cars up close and in person. For upcoming events and special promotions, you can visit Jennerstown.org or follow them on Facebook. And now, more Rapid on Racing with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri. Listeners, uh, this is Dave Oliveri, the co-host of Rapid on Racing, and we got a special interview with us. It's a, a Friday afternoon be, before the Christmas weekends, and um, I made a trip along with Robert Johnson down to the Rocket Shop in Shinston, West Virginia, busy as ever, as usual. And joining me now is the co-owner of the Rocket Chassis, Steve Baker. Hi, Dave. Glad to be with you today. Glad you got to come on such a beautiful sunny day in December. Yeah, we don't get too many of those here, you know, in western Pennsylvania, lower part of, uh, uh, you know, first part of West Virginia. But over the years, and I was talking with Don Gamble earlier this week, and the rocket name is so synonymous, again, with the location where we talked about it. But, you know, I know you're kind of from this area, from the Morgantown area, but for the listeners, how... Sometimes there's a, an acronym that signifies why you name something. How did, and again, and I, I don't know, so how did Rocket become the name? Well, we got to give that credit to Dave Johnson. Uh, when we built the first two cars, uh, they were uh, bullet cars, actually, that Ray Callahan built for us. and, and But he built them to our specs, and, and Dave Johnson was driving one of them. And, and again, we didn't have a name for them, really, at that time. And uh, Davey said that, uh, you know, this thing's like a rocket. And so that's how the name came about. Uh, like I said, you got to give that credit to Dave Johnson. So that would have been one of the first cars that you built as a, as a, back in, in around 1991? That's right. It was 91. Uh, we started building these things in the, in the fall of 91. Mark Richards Racing goes back to 1986, and I, again, as I was talking to Don earlier this week, he was jokingly saying that I think back when you, and, and I think it might be the building that we're doing the interview in now, that he came down and did a remote, which that's probably something most people don't even know what a remote broadcast is now, <laughs> because we're doing everything on a podcast or FaceTime or whatever. He came down, so you know, last year was 40 years of on air for rapid on racing and i think this is like again like, like what 34 years for the, the business now yeah i think it's something like that when you get as old as we are the time seems to just fly by even more now but yeah it's like i said 86 when we started and yeah don came down we had an open house it's when we first right after we first built this building and uh it's not wasn't nearly as full as it is today i think there might have been one maybe two cars in here at the time uh, we I saw some old pictures from that day uh, not too long ago, and, and 
it's definitely different today. Probably, Steve, it, it brings back memory, but it is when you see that, you're thinking, oh, God, I'm old, pretty old now. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, I get the question all the time about when I'm going to retire and this and that. And, you know, I tell everybody, well, first to retire, you've had to have a job because I don't consider this a job uh, because it's, I get to do what I love every day. So and right now I've got the best group of employees I've ever had. Uh, they let me do what I need to do. You know, my daughter just got married uh, two weeks ago, and uh, I had to be away for a couple weeks for that. Uh, and, and things just went smooth as heck when I was gone. So, you know, I told them now that just gives me an excuse I can leave more. Well, they, it, jokingly, you say it's like this is like a big boy's toy. Uh, but it's like, you know, how great is it? You know, you have a business and you've had it for, you know, 34 years where you get to build something where guys and girls get to have fun on the weekend. And how great is that? Because for, for many years, you, you followed that suit. Oh, yeah, it, it is. It's great. Uh, you know, we, we have the best customers in the world in, in any industry. Uh, you know, there, we've got some really loyal people that, you know, we've sold race cars to from the first batch that we built. You know, and people are still buying those cars from us today. Uh, and we get to deal with new new people and, and you know, continue to service uh, a lot of the old older customers and, and people that have been around. Get to see a lot of young kids come up and, and you know, follow their dreams. And, and yeah, it's, it's just a great feeling when, you know, we, we sent two cars into the Carolinas in Georgia area not too long ago for two young boys uh, 12 and 15 years old and they took them out and and won with them the first night out one of the boys did so you know that, that really makes you feel proud to, to see that accomplishment uh, I was in Florida a few weeks ago at a, at a, at a festival with a friend of mine down in the Tampa area and I had a customer at Dade City who wanted me to stop by his shop he'd wrecked his car and wanted me to take a look at it so it, it's what's nice is is we've got friends and customers customers that are now friends I guess is the way to put it uh, all over the country so you know there's not anywhere we can't go where we don't run into somebody that uh, we consider our friends now. You were talking about you know the youth the generation when you started in racing which We'll say it was not more than a few years ago. You had to come up through the ranks. You know, you went through a, a claimer to a, a stock, and then, but at that time, you might have been 20, 25 years of age, and you were still considered the youngster. Like you said, these kids now, and we go, you know, we go back to guys like, you know, Michael Lake when he was 10. They're jumping in a race car, and he, uh, I think he'd be Tyler Reddick at one point ran, you know, he was young, and these kids start out, and they're young, and they're fast. Well, that's for sure. You know, back when I started, I think I was 21, you know, the year I started racing, and, and I was one of the young guys at the time. And now at 21, hell, you could have five years or six years of experience in by then. So, uh, but, you know, that's, that's the way the industry is. You know, they're, they're starting out younger. Am I a fan of it? Not really to a point. You know, I, I think, you know, a lot of these kids at, 12 and 13 years old aren't physically strong enough to, to, to handle these cars, but some are. You know, so you got to take it on an individual basis. But uh, but they are getting you know a lot of good racing experience, and and uh, hey, I, it makes it so I have a job here, so we, we can continue to make a living building race cars. I agree with you on that, Steve. As much when they, when they start out young, 
and they maybe race for 15, 20 years, but they're in their 30s and then they're done. And to me, that's, you know, as a nostalgia buff and a traditionalist, you know, I want to see you guys race into your 40s and maybe the 50s. And I know at the Pittsburgh Circle Track Club Hall of Fame we had two years ago, unfortunately this year's was canceled due to COVID. You know, we brought, you know, Alex and some young guys into there and Keith Barbara and Sammy Style, And they're only in their 40s, I said. But yeah, but these guys have raced like 30 <laughs> years. You know, so don't look at their age as a prerequisite. Look at their accomplishments. And like you said, you know, you see these youngsters coming up each and every day, and I'm sure you're, you know, you're proud of what they do, but you know, when they're doing it in one of your cars, it's even more successful. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, like you said, they start young and they quit young sometimes, but I don't know. It, it, it's a tough situation. We, we need that youth, uh, but sometimes you know, they, they need to have a kid life too. You know, they need to have some of the other thing because this racing thing is all encompassing. You don't if you if you're in it and you're serious about it, there is nothing else. Uh, you know, there's no ball sports, there's no proms, there there's none of that stuff. And, and and realistically, you know, those kids need to experience that also. Well now on top of that, even if there's an off season which there really isn't, I mean you guys I mean, traditionally you used to have maybe have a couple of months off. I was talking to some of the guys in the shop, you know, you leave in you know the second week of January and out for twenty two days, but now on top of that you have eye racing, so even if you can't be in the car up in you know the Pennsylvania area where the weather's not so conducive, you know, you can hop in a simulator and you're behind the wheel of Larnerville Volusia. Yeah, that's for sure. You know, we when COVID hit back in March or April, whatever it was, you know, we got into the eye racing thing a little bit, but thankfully that that passed quickly, and we didn't have to depend on that for our fix uh, because our race season has been going wide open. And like you said, it, it, there is no off season anymore. You can race this weekend in, in Phoenix City, Alabama, uh, and then we're going to start racing in Arizona the first weekend in January. So you know, there's three weeks there. Right now, I think in the shop, I've got seven race cars. They're all cars that are planning on going to Florida to race. I think I've got nine more to do. And they all got to be done soon uh, uh, so these guys can go. And, and you know, I, I hate that we have to do this. It's actually right now is put our suppliers in, at a, 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 in rush mode. Uh, because of all the stuff that has to happen here in the next few weeks, in the next two weeks, basically, uh, we have to get these things done. And my, and my guys are, are people too. They've got families, they've got kids, they've got, they've got all that. And, and, you know, we got the holidays coming up and all that. And, you know, I can't expect them to work right through that either. So, you know, we're going to do the best we can. Hopefully we get everybody done. If we don't, you know, I'll apologize now. But for the moment, it looks like we're going to make it as long as I can get all the necessary parts to finish the cars. And like you said, you know, everybody was touched by COVID at some point this year. But, you know, even the manufacturers where people were supplying you rear ends or end panels or whatever, you have to rely on that. And you don't know by from our government standard what happens day to day, because what maybe happens in my home state of Pennsylvania, even though we're just across not too far from me in West Virginia. I mean, I, I know your beloved uh, Mountaineers got their game, one of their biggest games canceled. So I'm sure that's not sitting well with Steve Baker. But, you know, like I said, it, it's you just expect the unexpected but listeners what we're going to do is we're going to take a break and we'll be back shortly 
a message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, Powertech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway would like to thank all of our marketing partners who've helped make the 2020 season a huge success. Deal Automotive, Admar Construction Equipment, Keystone Coachworks, Crawford Auto Repair, Always Safe Traffic Control, Calusi Chevrolet, RockAuto.com, Mastro Ice, RacingJunk.com, Miley Truck Rental, Falcone's Moon Township Automotive, K&N Filters, Yingling, Octane Graphics, Precise Racing Products, Allegheny West Magazine, Zarin Truck and Automotive, Basel Race Fuels, Coca-Cola, and Summit Racing Equipment. PPMS would also like to congratulate our 2020 division champions. In the late models, Ben Police. In the pro stocks, Dave McManus. In the hobby stocks, Stephen Sheltman. In the four cylinders, Philip Bubeck. And in the young guns, Noah Bubeck. Be sure to check out ppms.com during the entire offseason and get all the information you need about the 2021 season at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. We're back, and joining me is Steve Baker from Rocket Racing. Steve, we were talking a little bit about the history of Rocket Racing, and originally it was you, Mark Richards, and Denny Angelico. I understand the connection with Mark, because you guys are probably in, from the West Virginia area, but you know, how did Denny become a, a partner? Just through racing? Yeah, through racing. You know, back when I first started racing in the first few years, Denny uh, gave me the opportunity to drive his race cars and things like that. And Denny and I are still close, close, close friends. And uh, just it's, that that's how it became about. Denny was a you know he had, was a successful uh, auction owner. Uh, and he, of course, in the race car business, and he owned owned the race cars that I drove. And uh, you know, he came in on it just a few years back. I, Denny, signed his part of the business over to me. So uh, you know, it's it's just been a, a great relationship with Denny. And of course, you know the story with Mark and I. You know, we've we've uh, been married here for quite a few years. Well, speaking of that relationship, you know, now we find out how the term rocket became about. But how did, you know, you being from the Morgantown area, how did you pick Shinston off of I-79, kind of in the middle of nowhere, to build your race shop? Well, you know, Mark is from Shinston. Uh, This piece of property was for sale when we first started uh, going into the business, and and uh, it was right across the street from I-79 Speedway at the time. So, you know, it seemed like a natural fit for us. And, and right now, it, it is a great location because of where we're at. 
You know, we can, we can be in Pittsburgh in just a little over an hour. We can be in Hagerstown, Maryland in two and a half hours. We can be in Columbus, Ohio in three hours. We can be in Parkersburg in an hour and a half. We can be in Charlotte in five hours. So, you know, centrally located where we're at, uh, easy access from the interstate. Uh, it's just a really good location for us. From that first year in, in 1991, any business struggles, and I'm sure your business was no different, but you were able to put out, again, I was doing some fact-checking, uh, 30 cars, and those 30 cars started what now is, and as we were touring the shop, myself and you and Robert Johnson, we saw a number on one of the cars, and it's like, 5613 something like that that's quite a number of cars that you put out yes it is you know this year we're going to be down a little bit because we were shut down for five or six weeks because of the covid but i think we're still at about 175 to 180 cars we're going to have this year we'll build this year usually we're at 210 to 215 uh is where we're at we're we're comfortable there we could build more but th that, that number is comfortable for us without killing, killing the employees. Uh, we, again, we could probably sell more, but I don't know that I can build more. I think one time, again, you know, doing some facts checking, one year I think you did like 309 cars, and your comment was, it killed us. And you, you, know, you have to be comfortable because you, know, you go back to the original three employees, and I know one of the things that you're proudest of is your employees. Um, because they're passionate in everything that they do. When you build race cars, you you take pride. It might be like a cabinet maker that's building something, and you know you building with your hands, and then you see the finished product. And it's not only you and Mark, but it's these guys in the shop that maybe when the cars are on the racetrack, the fans don't understand it. But again, it's what happens here that makes a difference. Yeah, it, it does make a difference, and these guys are passionate about it. And what we've found out is that our best employees are racers or crew members of racers or things like that. People outside of this industry don't get it. They don't understand that passion that, that we all have for this. And uh, my guys out here are, you know, we'll come in on Monday, and, and while they're working, you know, we'll talk about, uh, you know, all over the country, you know, who did what and who won and who didn't win and who wrecked and you know who fought and things like that because with all the guys we have in the shop that are racers and, and again the, the 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 family tree really is pretty big it sprouts all over the country and and these guys with their friends and connections you know we can pretty well keep track of what's going on over most of the united states now, speaking of the United States, and you talked earlier about, you know, that you had to shut down with COVID. And, and we think of food establishments and non-essential things. And, you know, how difficult was it for you as an owner and Mark to say, you know, and we, during this interview, I got Robert Johnson from the United States Motorsports Association sitting across from us. How difficult was it to go out and tell your employees, you know, hey, look, you know, not by my choice. I'd like to keep you working, but we can't. And, and probably in all the time, you know, the 30, 30 plus years you've been here, you've never had that happen. No, I've, I've never laid off an employee due to lack of work uh, ever. And, uh, you know, it, it was a tough thing to do. You know, when you got 20 people working, uh, you know, they, they, they make a living here. You know, it's not it, it's more than a job. It's a career. Uh, and that was hard to do. Fortunately, the government stepped up 
and you know that helped them out with their unemployment there was no issues with them getting the unemployment plus the stimulus checks and all that stuff so they all did okay you know while we were off but there again when it came time when it was time to go back to work they were itching to get back in here and get after it well that's just that's the thing that you instill and that it's one thing listeners that you know and if you've just joined us you know we're talking to steve baker uh, the co-owner of rocket chassis you know you're here back at the shop overseeing this portion of it which is the i want to say the nuts and bolts of the business no pun intended but you know mark is out the road you know 175 maybe 200 days now he's Basically, the salesperson that's out there because you got the you know the house car that you know Brandon Shepard's driving and he's the question and answers guys there where they don't have to call you. But again, you still what his value is on the road is that part of the business is your value here back here, and you guys been able to successfully mesh that for like you said thirty plus years. Yeah, it is, and you know everybody thinks that uh, he's got the luxurious part of the thing. You know, he gets to travel and do all that stuff, but really, that job is the toughest job in the world. You know, you're away from home, uh, you, you you give up a lot to do that, and and he's he's done it well. Uh, I don't didn't want to do that. I, I tried racing, you know, like that for a couple years, and and figured out that wasn't the direction we needed to go, and it's just worked out. Our, our, our combination has worked out well. You know, he, he does what he does, and he does it good. Hopefully, I've done okay with what we've got going on here. Uh, you know, I try to, to keep this place going, and, uh, and his part of it is he, he keeps these race cars fast. As long as he keeps them fast, people want them, so then i got to keep them built. So. Uh, it's it's just worked out well, and you know over all this time, you know he and I are still friends, and that's that's huge. There's nothing like sleeping in your, even your own bed. Those toter hose are pretty nice nowadays, and you know the big blue one, which is the rocket symbol, I'm sure, is comfortable. But it's still not like you know getting out of bed, getting a hot shower, maybe having a hot meal. So you have the opportunity. You know, you know from time to time you do get to go out on the road. We don't see you all that often. Some of the local things, but you know how how, how special is that for you to be able to get away every now and then and, and see some of the customers and see the fruits of what happens here at Rocket. Oh, I, I love it. You know, I, I, I like to hit all as many of the races as I can uh, out and about, you know, even even on a weekly basis. You know, I, I usually go to the races somewhere, either Pittsburgh, Latrobe, uh, Hagerstown, Tyler County, you know, Elkins, Roaring Knob. You know, I try to hit, you know, one of those tracks just about every week. You know, it's not like I take weekends off either. You know, I, I'm, I'm a race fan. You know, I, I'm a guy I can go sit in the stands and watch a good race, be it a late mall race or a four-cylinder race or a street stock race or any of them. Uh, you know, I enjoy racing because it's all, all always done, you know, since I was two weeks old. You know, you know, we talk about the development of, of Rocket over the years. You had some, to me, and to, to perhaps you as a race fan, some iconic house car drivers over the years. Again, you know, we talked about the Juice, Davy Johnson, now we know where the name Rocket came from. But, you know, you had the characters of, you know, Tim Hitt. And I know this had to be a difficult year for you with, you know, the passing of Tim. Uh, it was, you know, I have, I have a, mom, a memory of Tim. Uh, I happened to be down at Cherokee Speedway, and uh, it was under the old configuration, and it was high banks, and... I was sitting there with uh, some friends of mine. We were watching the race, and uh, if, for those of you who've know, ever been to Cherokee, the, the soil is as red as can be, and that the, 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 it was really banked back in the day. And 
Timmy went into turn number two and the, the term rocket was quite appropriate <laughs> because he, he launched out and it was just uh but again you know we lost him this year i know he was a really good friend of yours yeah that cherokee thing that was that was kind of odd situation or whatever that was back when we ran two-way radios in the cars and and uh, mark had been on timmy about you know you got to run this thing wide open you know don't back out of the gas well when he went out off of the racetrack like that and, and landed and mark caught on the radio he says you okay and hit says i didn't lift so you know that that was his response but yeah it was tough losing him uh we were just with him in in florida in february uh, we planned a few things this summer that didn't get done, and now I regret that. But uh, he's going to be missed. You know, how, how, when you look back at that, some you know those guys local, you know, iconic drivers that were initially the success of Rocket, and then. How could you have ever imagined what Josh Richards would have turned out? Now, I heard there's a story, and again, I think it's true. I think Josh was maybe about 15 years of age. And listeners, for as Steve said earlier in the interview, I-79 Speedway was literally at the bottom of the racetrack. So you could probably just drift the car down and go right into the racetrack. Well, I think at the time... I heard it was Steve Francis, and they were, I think they were running maybe the Star Series back then, and, and they, were, they were off, and they were coming down, because, you know, we're going to come up and visit you and check some things out. We we're going to also turn some laps on the car. Well, generally, as a young kid, you're one of your first things, you start as a mud scraper, and then if you get a little bit better, a little bit older, you become a track packer, and a track packer is that's where you smush the track down. Well, I'll just let you finish the story. I guess Steve was doing some practice laps, and I don't know if Josh had even been in the car, and go from there well at the racetrack you know when we had the racetrack josh was a track packer he had more laps on that racetrack than anybody in an old beat up sedan car you know with big tires on it and and josh and he was pretty quiet at that time and didn't say too much and they were down to track testing it was pretty well done and and mark asked josh because he's he was always beat around here on a four-wheeler or you know or something and and he knew he wanted to race but you know he never really asked to or anything and and uh, Mark asked Josh, he said, you want to make a few laps in that car? And Josh just kind of said, well, yeah, I guess. And so he, they, we fitted him in the car, suited him up, and, and put him in the car. And he went out and started turning laps. First time ever in a, a, a late model type car. The only thing he'd been around that track on was track packing cars. And uh, was within just a few tenths of what Steve Francis was running at the time. And, and, and Francis at that time said, well, right there is your next house car driver. So, and it came to be. Yeah, very successful. Now you have Brandon Shepard. And it's, you know, we, we don't think it's Josh being old. I think Josh is, what, maybe 32 now. 32, yeah. and, and, you know, I mean, we have that proverbial kid rock. And now you have Brandon Shepard in the car. I think Brandon's 28 and he's been with you like five years now. And it's just... He seems like this seasoned, savvy veteran, which he is, but he's only 28 and he's still younger than Josh. <laughs> yeah, that's for sure. And, you know, Brandon, Brandon's been a good fit for us here. Uh, he's just a very humble, very appreciative young man. Uh, he does, a, as, you know, it goes without saying, he does a great job driving a race car. Uh, but, the, again, he was just here this week with his family. Uh, had a few things to do with the race car, brought them in, and... and uh, 
uh, again, Brandon is just awesome. You know, he, he's part of our family now. You know, speaking of Brandon, you know, he, you know, he doesn't live in this area. He lives out, you know, in, in Illinois. And, you know, for the time that he's on the road, and I had the opportunity to talk to him several times this year and had a chance to interview him out at uh, Williams Grove. And, and it's just like... You appreciate your, this time now because, you know, he has, you know, maybe two or three more weeks and then he's back on the road and he doesn't see them for months. No, it, you know, he, he tries to make it home as much as he can. You know, there, there's a stretch there in July when we do that Wild West tour and all that when when he's gone. But most times uh, when they get back racing, if if he has been here, he'll jump in his truck as soon as they get back here. I don't care what time it is and head straight home. Uh, which is about a nine-hour drive from here. So, you know, we, we, we fortunately, we're, we've got a crew that can take care of this stuff. If he has to be here, he most certainly will stay. But, again, well, fortunately for us, we've got a great crew to take care of the car. And Brandon can concentrate on driving that way. You know, he can concentrate on his job. And uh, it, it's worked out well. Listeners, we're talking to Steve Baker, and we're going to take a commercial break, and we'll be back shortly. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex is located in the scenic Laurel Mountains of Somerset County, Pennsylvania, in the town of Jennerstown, at the intersections of Route 30 and Route 985. Experience the thrill of Jennerstown Speedway with its 550 feet of 6-degree straightaways and over 700 feet of 9-degree sweeping corners. Jennerstown Speedway serves as the host for five divisions of weekly racing series every Saturday evening from May to September Weekly divisions include late models, modifieds, street stocks, charger, and the Fast and Furious 4s. Special events include IMSA Super Modifieds, Super Cup Stock Car Series, the Race of Champions Modifieds. Spectator gates open at 4 p.m. with racing starting at 6 p.m., allowing for even the youngest fans the opportunity to experience the entire action-packed show. The ownership and staff of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex take great pride in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. At the completion of each weekly event, everyone in attendance is invited into the pit area to meet their favorite drivers and see the cars up close and in person. For upcoming events and special promotions, you can visit Jennerstown.org or follow them on Facebook. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinner Bell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724 724- 352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. And now, more Rapid on Grayson with Don Gamble and Dave Oliveri.
Listeners, we're back, and we're with Steve Baker from Rocket Chassis. Steve, we've done two parts of an interview so far, and we're just going to kind of wrap things up. But one of the things that you had told me when we were walking around the shops, and the people, you're a people person, much like myself, and your employees are all people person. And you have one, and when we were walking with Robert Johnson, you have an employee that's back in the fab shop that's been with you since day one. And that's just like unheard of. I mean, I know what it's like to work for a company for many, many years. And especially in this business where people can come and go. I mean, I'm sure you've had your favorites, but to stay as loyal as he has for 30 years. And then I want you to something that you told myself and Robert that he's had a hand in on the race car. Well, Scott Perkey's his name. Uh, Scott was our first employee we ever hired here uh, at Mark Richards Racing way back when. I, it may not have been right at the first year, but it was shortly thereafter. And uh, Scott was a local kid here uh, who was friends with... He started out working with uh, WRC with at Rodney Combs Place uh, as a young... very Just probably right out of high school. Uh, and then we got him to come here to go to work when, when Mark left up there. Um, just a fabricator extraordinaire. He, there's nothing in this shop that he can't do. Uh, he, he's, you know, oversees all of the, the chassis operations. That, that's his, that's his room over there. I, I just tell him what I need and, you know, he takes care of it. He tells me when he needs pipe. So I make sure he has plenty of tubing to weld up. Uh, he, he, he is in charge over there, just an outstanding individual, got an outstanding work ethic. Uh, he treats the place like it's his own. Each one of these cars, he treats it like he's building it for himself. Um, just, again, just a great employee. And, yes, he's had his hand in 5,613 race cars, every, every one of them. He's had, he, no, he hasn't welded the whole thing, and no, he hasn't bent every piece of tubing. He's had help to do that. But he has had his hand in every one of the race cars that's ever been built here. You know, as we were touring the shop, I, mean, I, I like things old school. You like things old school. But new school, some of the technology over these 30 years has definitely helped things go much easier i mean you know when you know back when you had to build a race car you know you bought pipe you had a pipe bender you bent it you welded you hope you were well versed in many many different trades and then then it came to the body and no two bodies were alike because everybody had a different thing you bought your sheets of metal you know nowadays you know we were through the parts room which is just an unbelievable amount of inventory that that you carry for all these cars but most of the panels now, not all of them, because you still have to have that little hand touch or laser cut, and it's the, the holes are driven. So it, it's so nice when uh, Dave Oliveri can call Steve Baker and say, I need a couple rights, I need you know, a left quarter panel, a right quarter panel, a couple doors, a front end, and boom. You either ship it to me or I come down to pick it up, and then when I go back to the shop, my shop to put it in, it's basically a bolt-on. Yeah, it is, and like you said, the old school way, you know, we used to build, before I started building race cars for a living, you know, we would spend from October, November, right up until the day we went to the races in, in March or April, building a car. Well, right now, I've got people that, you know, and it's been done before, we've started on a Monday, and they had a car ready to go to the racetrack on Wednesday. Uh, 
we don't like to do it that way, but you know we can if we have to. Um, and now you know again everybody had you know we had a group group of guys back in the day that come and that was your hangout. You know you hung out at the shop and you work on a race car a little bit, you drank beer a little bit, or you. Know, played cards a little bit or whatever it was and it, and it took all winter to build a race car well now people don't do that you know we're, we're not hanging out in the garages like we used to and, and things like that do i like it no I, w I wish we were still doing that but you know life is life has changed all, all the way around so and that being said you know these are production line race cars you know our cnc equipment cuts them cuts the tubing uh, notches the tubing we still have to bend it but it's done on a cnc bender where every bend's the same every you know again the cnc notcher where every piece of tubing's the same scott's famous line to me is he said if you to our new hires if we have a new guy come in if you grab a piece of tubing and it doesn't fit you grab the wrong piece uh, it's like kind of like a puzzle you know you grab the right pieces of the puzzle and they fit right in and you you weld them together again these are assembly line race cars that's why we that's how we've made it so we can build a chassis every day you know one a day is, is the norm and right now we're doing about seven a week uh, in five days so without all the repairs and everything else going on so uh, and then and the bodies and the sheet metal stuff is the same way CNC equipment's made it so you know it's best for me I don't have the equipment here. It's off-site. Mark McClelland up in Johnstown area has has a CNC router machine. I send the sheets of aluminum to him, and he brings me back pieces already cut with holes drilled in them so we can just bend them and put them on the cars. Uh, again, so the, the, the technology has just advanced a lot, and that gives us the opportunity now to build that many race cars. It's funny, I was, I was listening to your comment about you know, having a beer and camaraderie in the garage, but when you're 14 or 15, that, that beer's like quite some time down the road. So, but um, in, in the last few years, I mean, and for our listeners, I mean, Rockets built blue front ends and orange front ends, and they're still out there, and we're not really going to get into that, but, you know, maybe about three years ago now, you guys came out with, which has been a big, change in what you do you came out with the xr1 and we're not going to get into the history of the xr1 but you know obviously you know for josh and for brandon and all these people you did in, in your your background you did the technology on it and to have that car come out and be as successful as it was in the first season and as fast as it was that's just a testament to the 30 plus years you and mark put in at this shop well that and we've 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 grown with the engineering side of it uh, we work with three or four different engineers uh, around the country that help design this race car but we've done engineered race cars before and let them have full say and everything and they were in and Joe Gare rest in peace Joe Harrison did a computer car back in the day at GRT and, and it was probably the worst race car ever built you know, it was designed by an engineer. Uh, we, Mark Richards is not an engineer, never been to college in his life, but he's as close to one as you can get. I'll call him a dirt car engineer. And, and he throws his input in with those mechanical engineering type guys that, uh, that sit there on a computer and work all day long. I've been at the shop up here when they were working on stuff and 
I can't talk to them. I don't talk their language. <laughs> I just, you know, I don't understand what they're talking about on a lot of things. But, but Mark somewhat did, and and you know, he could work with them. And when they go to the racetrack, and we put data gathering on the cars and all that stuff, and they would have data gathering pickup points on everything. And, and Mark would look at the data, and it, it would be overwhelming. And then at that point, Mark would say, well, let's get rid of this, 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 and this, and concentrate on this. And, and they did that, and that's how this thing got to where it's at today. You know, it, it took a lot of people to, to make this car good right out of the box, and it was in 2015 when we built the, the first XR1 car. It came out of the box fast and has been fast ever since. You talk about the engineers being book smart. I mean, racers in general, they have to be, and I'm sure you either know somebody or if you were that person, some of the most, we'll say, creative persons in all different areas. And we'll even use the, the term gray area because it's not cheating if you don't get caught. But again, it's just, um, you know, as we talk about the development of the XR1, and, and this is something, I mean, traditionally, you guys are in, you know, your late model races, super late models is what you want to call it now. But, Steve, you've seen the advent of crate racing. And with crate racing, now it's afforded some racers that maybe can't get into a super late model. They might pick up a chassis, a rocket chassis that's, a few years old. It's not the most. It's not the newest. It might not have all the, the latest bells and whistles, but it gets them the chance to get into racing with a chassis that's affordable, but with also a motor package that's affordable. And then you know, I've, I've seen some of these. You know, the guys that have raced and they've been very, very successful in, in your car, but with a crate motor. Oh yeah, you know, the, the, unfortunately, you know, if you go to the bigger crate races. Those cars, the part that we sell, is actually more expensive than the super late car. But the cheaper part is the engine, you know, the, the, the affordability of the engine. Uh, but that, like you said, uh, the example is Troy Shields at Latrobe Speedway. He's a point champion there this year. He was driving a blue-gray, you know, an older type car and, and still was a point champion, racing against our XR1 cars. Uh, Crate racing's good. It, it, it's been a good thing for our sport. Uh, it's it has you know back in the day you know when we used to have lots and lots of late model cars and we didn't really have a lot of limited cars, but then the crate now we have just as many cars or more because of the crate thing. It's just now we're broke up into more classes. And yeah, that's always difficult. I remember back in the day when you were running the Pittsburgh, there was a hundred cars. I mean, I think this year's Pittsburgh had thirty-five cars. But you know, with that being said, just some of the other things, Steve. When you get out in a, in a, in a room across from the office that we're sitting in, the rocket name, the, you know, the blue color, and I don't know. You have to maybe tell me how the blue, the blue, the paint scheme came about, but. In your wildest dreams, did you ever think in your old office you would have a room that is just dedicated to merchandise? <laughs> no, there's no way. We had we had a Black Friday sale there, you know, after Thanksgiving uh, online, and, and they sold more T-shirts that day than we've sold in years. And, and it's just no, I, I'd have never dreamed that again, like you said, that we'd have a dedicated T-shirt room uh, or apparel room, but. 
the girls do a real good job taking care of that. Uh, I don't fool with it much, I'll tell you that. Uh, we got to concentrate on other things. But the, the apparel business is good right now. Christmas, you know, lots of Christmas presents, and they still got lots left. Well, since you can't go to the store and shop anymore, I guess, all, you know, either, yes, uh, yeah, well, that's maybe in, in, in the land of our tyranny over in Pennsylvania. I'm not sure what it's like in, in West Virginia, but, you know, just in conclusion, and I know there's not an answer to this, and uh, I know you're a year older than I am. I'm 62. I think you're 63. I don't know how old Mark is, but, you know, you built this success, and I ask race car drivers, you know, when do you think it's time? You know, you had that experience as a race car driver, and it's a difficult decision to make as to when you're going to do it. And like I said, someday you want to go, and I mean, you got it, you know, your daughter and your son, we're going to talk about them in a little bit because I know you're proud of both of them. You want to be able to spend time away from it. And now that you've got that little, I know your wife's probably like, she's got the fishing rod out and she's wearing on the end, you know, Steve, you got to do this. But it, it would be unfair to ask you what the future of Rocket's going to be because you honestly, you probably don't know what it's going to be. But you're going to continue to build it, to be successful. And that's all anybody can ask because right now you're in the, the leading forefront of late model racing. Well, as far as the future of here, as long as these guys keep working, I'll make sure that they got a place to work. Uh, I may not be here every day, but I not, won't be far away. Uh, I don't, again, as long as they want to work, I'll have a place for them to work, and, and we'll make sure that, that the cars keep going fast. Mark, Mark's 60, by the way, so he's, he's not too far behind us. So, <laughs> but... As long, as long as he's willing to put in the time to keep making the cars fast, we'll keep making the cars. Uh, and I don't see that going away. Uh, again, we, this, is, this is what we love to do. You know, a lot of people play golf and things like that. In, in retirement, uh, I'm still going to be a racer, no matter what. And again, so I don't ever foresee retiring. Again, as long as these guys want to keep working and enjoy what they're doing, and I'm having fun with them out here right now, uh, we'll, we'll keep going. I joke about you, Razors. I was uh, we were presenting um, Ben Miley with, and you're a Pittsburgh Circle Track Hall of Famer. So you know that's I know that was a special moment for you. We were presenting Ben Miley with his, and there was a comment from his wife Jane, and he says when they first met, she knew that he was a racer, and she says, "I thought this was a fad that he would grow out of." (laughs) And and, you know, if you're a racer, true to heart, you know, it's like a disease. It's it's infectious. It gets in you, and it's very hard to get rid of. But um, you know, I was going over some some numbers off the off the website and. Numbers I know you're proud of. You were, again, this time, this year, were both the champion in the Lucas Oil Series in the World of Outlaws with Jimmy Owens on the Lucas side and Ian and Brandon. And, I mean, I, there was 400, or not 400, 742 winners and 66 championships across the United States. You know, you know how proud of you uh, uh you got to be of, you know, you and Mark and, again, each one of those guys in the shop that – puts that out to the drivers oh that's that's huge again we're proud of each and every one of our guys the guys that run the crate cars uh that have won championships uh and races uh, of course all, all you know from the top to the bottom you know they're they're all they're all our customers are all our friends so you know we want to see them do well um 
heck, we, we even like it when they beat us. You know, I mean, you know, our own car. Because it, it, as long as it's our car beating our car, it's okay. Because when, when that happens, we know, know we did our job well. As we're, I'm sitting in the office you know, doing the interview with, I'm looking at a trophy, and I know this one has to, I mean, of all the trophies that I've seen, Brandon's trophies this year, I'm looking at this one, and it says, Morton Billings Late Model 2020 Chassis Builder of the Year. How big is that? Well, that's big, and, you know, I had the other ones here. We had last year's we just put away, but, you know, we, we won that championship, the Manufacturer's Championship in both series there, too. Uh, we're, we're proud of that, and, that, and that's because of our customers, because of the guys that use our products. They're, they're the ones that, that make those championships happen, and, you know, hopefully our, our product and our tech support, you know, is what keeps them coming back. Uh, you know, there, there have been some people stray away from us over the years, but uh, like C.J. Rayburn said one time, he said, just wait right here. They'll all be back. So, and, and that's what we've done. Uh, uh, we, we just give out the best information that we have available. Uh, we build a safe, fast product, and hopefully that continues to give us those uh, manufacturer's championships. You know, we talk about, you know, family. You have your work family. You have your racing family, and they're, they're a special group. But, you know, over the years, you've made a lot of sacrifices. You know, your wife and kids are a big part of what your, li- your life is. I think both of your kids got recently married, and uh, I think that's a lot of for a little bit of time off. So I guess the drop's going to probably hold that against you this coming year, hopefully. But you know, let's just you know talk about about your family a little bit and how proud of you are, your son and your daughter, and, and what your wife does because you know they're all a part of you know in in some way they're a part of Rocket Racing and Rocket Chassis. Oh, they most definitely. You know, they've they've supported me. You know, when I was racing and, and whatever in whatever we did here, and you know, everybody asked why my kids didn't become racers, and I guess I probably discouraged it a little bit uh, because I, I knew what kind of dedication and work and and what you had to sacrifice to do that. But there again, I got I got my son's a, a Air Force Academy graduate. He's a he's a, a pilot in the Air Force right now. He's a, a, a pilot trainer for the uh, fighter aircrafts in uh, San Antonio, Texas. Uh, so we're real proud of him. And, and yes, he got married in May. Uh, so, you know, another COVID wedding. Fortunately, it got to happen. Uh, my daughter is a is a physical therapist, doctor of physical therapy, uh, and she's actually in Pittsburgh now uh, working for UPMC. And uh, we're definitely proud of her and, and uh, the time she's put into uh, uh, doing what she's doing and, and helping people. Uh, again, she's in the Pittsburgh area. Uh, got married just a couple weeks ago, and uh, we're looking forward to uh, things in the future with both our both our kids. Uh, your wife. Uh, we always talk, and I know I do victory lane interviews. I always make sure we because any successful person in racing, there's all the woman in that person's life whether it's mom, the girlfriend, the wife, they sacrifice, you know, you get to have the fun and enjoyment. And I'm not saying that they don't do it, but they sacrifice so much that allow you to do it. Oh, yeah. And my wife, you know, we just celebrated our 40th anniversary uh, the weekend my daughter got married. So uh, she's pretty special. Um, I don't know what I'd do without her, but... uh, and my mom, 
Steve, again, when you were talking about your, you know, your family, your, your wife and your kids, but, you know, we were talking about moms and moms are always special. And I know sometimes we get a little bit emotional, but, um, let's, you know, let's, let's talk about mom. Well, you know, she kept us going, you know, after my dad died, you know, she, she continued with us racing and, and everything else. And she's one tough lady <laughs> to put up with what, with what we put her through. And, uh, you know, she's doing real good right now. You know, she's 85 years old, and she got to go to Punicana with us for my daughter's wedding, so that was special. But, uh, you know, just thanks to my mom for letting me do this. Well, you know, your family, like you said, you know, you went, you know, from Morgantown. Morgantown Speedway wasn't really far from me, and you were there at, like, couple weeks old and you know i think it was it your aunt that they own morgantown speedway and, and then you know you and your family promoted you know i-79 which you know literally was you know is right across the street and those i guess you don't appreciate it and, and you see things and i'm sure you know sure the memories because you can see where the racetrack is the bleachers are still across the street and you know the good times you know and you know and, and your brother-in-law we lost him way too early uh it's just there's special memories that you get in racing and you know listeners it's hard to explain it if you don't understand it because good times and bad and we're going to leave this with we'll leave steve with this thought good times and bad um no matter how down you are now social media makes it a little bit easier because they know everything but you know you can put things out there and you know i can you know i lost my mother last year and you know i said at her funeral three things got me through that one was my my, my immediate family my church family and my racing family because without them the summer of 19 would have been a very long one for me. Well, Steve, I want to thank you. And again, I got Robert Johnson with me here from United States Motorsports Association, taking time from your extremely busy schedule to, to sit down with myself and, you know, Don's down in North Carolina, so he's probably warm, but it's a little bit nice out here today. So, you know, we have like a 60 degree day here in Shinston. So we're going to take that. So, uh, I'm going to wish you and your family, you know, the best in, in 2021. And hopefully this this terrible COVID, uh, you know, pandemic will leave us and we can get back to some of the things we all like, which is racing, drinking beer, and in your case, college football. Yeah, that's for sure. And, and again, thanks for coming down. I'm glad we got to spend a little time and, and uh, wish everybody out just a happy new year. And hopefully we'll see you at the races real soon. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex is located in the scenic Laurel Mountains of Somerset County, Pennsylvania, in the town of Jennerstown, at the intersections of Route 30 and Route 985. Experience the thrill of Jennerstown Speedway with its 550 feet of 6-degree straightaways and over 700 feet of 9-degree sweeping corners. Jennerstown Speedway serves as the host for five divisions of weekly racing series every Saturday evening from May to September Weekly divisions include late models, modifieds, street stocks, charger, and the Fast and Furious 4s. Special events include IMSA Super Modifieds, Super Cup Stock Car Series, the Race of Champions Modifieds. Spectator gates open at 4 p.m. with racing starting at 6 p.m., allowing for even the youngest fans the opportunity to experience the entire action-packed show. The ownership and staff of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex take great pride in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. 
At the completion of each weekly event, everyone in attendance is invited into the pit area to meet their favorite drivers and see the cars up close and in person. For upcoming events and special promotions, you can visit Jennerstown.org or follow them on Facebook. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, Powertech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rapping on Racing. The Jennerstown Speedway Complex is located in the scenic Laurel Mountains of Somerset County, Pennsylvania, in the town of Jennerstown, at the intersections of Route 30 and Route 985. Experience the thrill of Jennerstown Speedway with its 550 feet of 6-degree straightaways and over 700 feet of 9-degree sweeping corners. Jennerstown Speedway serves as the host for five divisions of weekly racing series every Saturday evening from May to September. Weekly divisions include late models, modifieds, street stocks, charger, and the Fast and Furious 4s. Special events include IMSA Super Modifieds, Super Cup Stock Car Series, the Race of Champions Modifieds, Spectator Gates open at 4 p.m. with racing starting at 6 p.m., allowing for even the youngest fans the opportunity to experience the entire action-packed show. The ownership and staff of the Jennerstown Speedway Complex take great pride in providing fun and affordable family entertainment. At the completion of each weekly event, Everyone in attendance is invited into the pit area to meet their favorite drivers and see the cars up close and in person. For upcoming events and special promotions, you can visit Jennerstown.org or follow them on Facebook. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, Powertech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455. 
In December, the United States Motorsports Association had a Zoom meeting with about 20 influential people in motorsports. The main speaker was David Maloney Sr. He's from the Commonwealth of Pennsylvania, a member of the Republican Party. He is a member of the Pennsylvania House of Representatives for the 130th District. He has been a Pennsylvania State Representative since 2011. Robert Johnson was the moderator of the Zoom meeting, and we're going to go with some comments from David. He uh, asked Robert about getting a schedule. Try to get a schedule. Um, together with respect to what might be taking place at what weekend. Um, I've been, I've really enjoyed a lot of the Pennsylvania um, events and places that are nearby. My wife um, is an avid dirt track, um, sprint car, stock car, NASCAR um, enthusiast. And we've, we've got, you know, the opportunity over the last 10 years, especially to, rub shoulders with some folks and really get to know what they do um, on, you know, sort of from grassroots all the way up. And, uh, and I just, I've just been intrigued my whole life with the mechanics of it. And, and I think that uh, the challenges and the engineering that goes into some of the things that we do, um, for instance, I've, uh, I've even bugged uh, Pocono and, thought I would bring it up today again, especially with the season that I've often wondered about how many dirt tracks would, um, entertain or do entertain different types of racing throughout the year, including snowmobile. And so it's just some of the things that I think with all the different variables that are out there that, um, that there's just more opportunity for people to get involved with small go-kart racing at a track inside, inside little go-kart racing. That would be for the kids. Just all those sorts of things that we know that if you don't mentor and that if you don't, um, sort of plant that seed and then, and keep and continue to water it, you're just going to, you're just going to fade out a generation. And to me, that's just so unfortunate because Pennsylvania's got so much um, potential. And, uh, and so those are just some of the things that I thought have been great. Camaraderies, things that have been really neat. Robert probably knows that I, rode, I ride bicycle too as an exercise. I've been a jock my whole life. And I got an opportunity to ride the track at Pocono with Jimmy Johnson and Dale Earnhardt Jr. and Daniel Suarez and Jimmy's pilot and uh, Junior's um, crew chief and just a bunch of camaraderie that gets that people get together doing. And my point to that is that there's other things and activities that I think the motorsports really um, has, and and those outreaches are something that I think just helps grow the sport. So that's kind of where I'm coming from. Hey, do you want to talk just very quickly about what? You did for us back in the spring when the COVID hit. I touched on yes. this earlier, but I think yes, this so needs to get more a little bit more background on that. Yeah, so a couple couple really interesting things about that. Um, there's so much to learn about um, the unexplainable, if you will, with this with this political environment, and um, this governor and his administration with their ideas 
of, uh, of nonsense. There's a lot of meetings that took place and legislation that was put forward and a lot of different things to combat what was taking place. And so one of the things that I thought was, was interesting was as, as these individual type activities, I'll call them statewide started to be targeted. Um, what I did is I proposed that all outdoor activities, um, would be, you know, would be, would qualify and, and, um, be able to operate outside these restrictions. And so one of the things that came up and how this happened is as a sportsman, there was this attack on the shooting ranges. And so when we started to put together, um, legislation to address those particulars, it came to my mind that why don't I just do all outdoor activities? And as we, and as I did that, that proposal started to move pretty quickly. And then what was happening is the administration was reacting to our actions of what they were doing. And so I think what Robert's referring to is that um, not only were, what was I on the phone at two and three o'clock in the morning and trying to send emails to get waivers and, and have things that would be acceptable. We were also throwing out legislation to try to get the attention of leave us alone sort of thing. And uh, it got really complicated in some, in some aspects. And I think what Robert saw was that um, as we were getting crafty, we're trying to um, stop and, and to address uh, some of the roadblocks. Um, we started to get a lot of activity. And I will tell you, frankly, one of the best things that happened, and as you probably saw the Fayette uh, uh, sheriff this week, he jumped from Democrat to Republican. And the reason I bring that up is because when we had certain law enforcement stating very clearly that some of these unconstitutional dictates on citizens of Pennsylvania, that they would not enforce it really was a great asset because what happened was people relaxed a little bit about, okay, well then we'll put a liability um, sort of a form out or we'll, we'll practice our own, make sure we're practicing good practice with respect to, you know, warning people or keeping distance or whatever it might be. And so that they could proceed. And so what we saw was that many, 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 tracks were left alone. And, uh, and, and that was part of the adventure that we had all year. That was really, um, probably Robert and I had a lot of discussion about the unknown. Like we didn't know something would pop up and I don't want to name any names or anything, but when certain tracks would decide to run other tracks then became a little bit more braver. And then they decided like, Hey, you know, why not? And so it just kind of grew and, and momentum grew. And my personal track back home here, which I only live a short distance from and grew up with, um, they did very well. And, um, and then we, we learned about other issues that we could talk about, I guess. But um, so that's what happened, Robert. There was a lot of different unexpected attacks on the sport, and we just tried to counter them. Your, your, your legislation, again, really helped us because I think ultimately the governor did put 
As we know, the governor did put the racing into his executive order in early June. I think That's much correct. is due to the pressure that we put on him from the General Assembly. And I want to I want to tell this group that, you know, that did not really happen in some of our neighboring states. Uh, you can look at both New York and Ohio and yep. Maryland where it just didn't happen. And we were trying to help folks in those states, but we yep. didn't have that champion in the legislature such as yourself who was advancing the cause yep. for us. Well, that's it's, that's it's a really important. interesting that's a good that's a good point, Robert, because as we found out as we were going to some of the some of the dirt track events, I was finding out that um, there were a lot more um, uh, names and participants in some of the heats, and I would just start asking questions, and I'd say, "Hey, look, you know, these guys are all from New York, or these guys came from Jersey, or whatever, and uh, they're all rolling into here because they know they can race." And I just thought that was fantastic because trying to get a little bit more out of uh, such an attack on the industry, I thought was a good move. It really, it really was. And, and we appreciate your efforts. Uh, uh, Dave, you can maybe, when you get and give a chance, give your, you know, your, phone, your phone number, your office number out to folks who may, if they ever need something, uh, they certainly should be calling you our tracks. We've got a number of tracks on this call right here. So feel free, maybe, uh, this is what I would tell anybody, and I and I mean this with with every uh, fiber in me. I'll give my my cell phone. Uh, you may not know me. I may not know you. Uh, to me, um, we should all be on the same same team. And um, if there's a way in which I can help or support or try to get to your facility and and show support, I'm glad to do it. Um, those of you, some of you know that I did a moment of silence on the house floor for Greg Hodnett. And I want to tell you something that went over enormously and the racing industry, um, really appreciated it. And, um, and I think one of the things that I'll share with you was a little interesting with that is a speaker of the house had no idea I was going to do that. And when I called for that on the house floor, it had to bring everybody to, to attention and quiet. And, um, and I think it gave us an opportunity to understand and recognize a loss in an industry that was tragic. So those are some of the things that I think you can just utilize to help us, um, to recognize. And so, um, be it, be it anything that can happen in your weekend paper or, you know, through this last election cycle, I made sure my ad was in my local paper for every single weekend's program hand, handout. And so I just think those are little things that we can do together to help one another. David, so as you mentioned, the Greg Hodnett uh, uh, statement on the floor of the house. Don Gamble's on this call here. <clears throat> Don, you were with me that day. Any thoughts from you on, on that day? You were there when we did that for Greg Hodnett. Any thoughts from you? Quickly. I thought it was an excellent presentation and I appreciate what David did. And it made a lot of people in the audience aware of some of the things that are so important to motorsports. Right. Yeah, it really did. It was a special moment there that day. I'm getting a little choked up thinking about it, that whole that whole thing. It was it was an emotional moment. Robert, I have a I have a suggestion 
Shouldn't you let some of these people ask David some questions? Yes, let's, let's, if we have time, let's, let's, I will go ahead and open it up. Questions for Dave. And then when we're done with Dave, we'll go on to economic development. This portion of Rapid on Racing is brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, home of the Motor Mountain Masters. For more information, check out Jennerstown.org. Toma's Meat Market is a full-service, old-fashioned butcher shop and meat market. Their stores nestled in the farmlands of western Pennsylvania, where they've been for over 50 years. They hand-select cattle and hogs purchased from local farmers. At Toma's, they can help you prepare for anything from your own family's dinner to a special graduation party, a company picnic, an anniversary celebration, a wedding reception, or a whole host of other things. They can prepare entrees and have them ready for pickup or delivery in foil chafer pans. Just heat them and eat them. Please call or stop by to find out about putting a package of these ideas together for your special event. The taste and the service are out of this world. Toma's Meat Market, located at 748 Dinnerbell Road in Saxonburg, PA. For additional information, please give them a call at 724 724- 352-2020. That's 724-352-2020. Business owners, if your ad was here, our listeners could find out about your company. Speedway Productions has several advertising packages to fit your budget. Rappin' on Racing airs live Mondays, 6 p.m. to 8 p.m. at iTunes, TuneIn Radio, Stitcher, RappinOnRacing.com, or Hulu Television. You can also listen on your computer, iPhone, or iPad. Don and his co-hosts present the good, the bad, and the ugly of local racing. The two-hour show features local track reports, special guests, driver interviews, and all of the national racing news. Check out the show and let us know if you are interested in becoming a marketing partner. For additional information, call 412-999-6625 or email rappinonracing at gmail.com. And now back to Don Gamble and more Rappin' on Racing. On this segment of the meeting, several of the individuals with questions included Greg Wheeling, Ken McGuire, Dave Oliveri, and Jim Zufall. Some very good questions for Robert. Any questions for Dave? Yeah, yeah, Dave. I mean, what what do you think once we get into March and April? I mean, I know you don't have a crystal ball and don't know the answer, but are we going to be facing the same kind of thing that we faced a year ago? Well, super question, but this this is what I would offer, and um, sometimes I'm a little bit I'm a little bit I would say guarded with the opinion part, because like you said, you don't have a crystal ball, but I'm going to just give you an example. So I mentioned I've been a jock my whole life. I've been around sort of the common, common guys world. And um, I spent a lot of time in gyms. I was Mr. North America in 1988. And, uh, and, and the times that I spent on the tracks and the different things like that. Um, folks have no idea, I think, when it comes to the legislature and their representatives not knowing what's in their districts and things like that. But let's just talk about how the gyms have been attacked and how the restaurants have been attacked. 
And so the restaurant industry is looking at a 65% failure rate by the end of the year. And so now this past dictate that took place, you're probably seeing in just about every county a civil unrest where people are saying, look, this is survival. I'm going to stay open. I don't really care what you think about some fine. I saw a, a uh, sort of a estimate, I think, that came down on Attilus. I used to train in that gym in New Jersey. He's up to $1.2 million in fines. And, and he vows to never pay a single cent. And there's a part of it in Pennsylvania that I will tell you, if you get on my attorney's website, which is um, Prince Law Firm, you'll see that he outlines a very, very important process that has to take place for you to be attacked by this administration. And I say those things to you guys for the simple reason of encouragement. You know, it's, it's, it's hard to know that um, somebody is going to just be breathing down you. But yet at the end of the day, um, if you can't, if you can't operate, then what's the chance? And then, and what's the point? And so some of these people have come into the place now where they're just saying, look, I'll take the consequences, whatever they may be from the legal side, but I need to be open. I'll weigh out what it's going to take. me. If I, if I make two bucks and it costs me a dollar, then I made a buck. And so my quick answer to what you're asking is nobody really knows, but I can say that, but I believe that as we go further and further into this, more and more people are just going to resist. They're just going to resist. And some of the police, look, we have a federal judge that handed down a very, very, I think it's a 66 page um, dissent on why it's so unconstitutional to attack the people of Pennsylvania the way this governor has. And so if you feel like you have some standing with that, that gives you momentum. That gives you a little bit of, of, uh, of, uh, I would say, uh, some weight to push back on the possibilities of some kind of, uh, you know, restriction, but in the same respect, you know, if you put up your warnings, if you put up your instruction, as some people had waivers that they had signed and liability such, if you, if you show that you're, if you're trying to be as responsible as possible, I don't see how anybody can hold it against you for some other people's decision. Somebody's going to violate something. I mean, why do we have police officers giving speeding citations every single day of the year? The speeding limit signs evidently aren't working. And so for me, you know, that's part of how I think we should approach this, where you have a legal right. The Department of State has a process that they're supposed to go through. And if that's not followed, then then nobody's compliant. And so my encouragement would be that I I think that as we move forward here, that there's going to be more and more relief. And there's going to be more and more civil unrest when it comes to people being told that they can't live like Americans. 
Yeah, it's interesting that you mentioned the resistance, Dave, because I'm from a pretty rural part of the northwest part of the state, and uh, I'm seeing resistance now where there was very little in the past. Yes. But uh, but it's it's really pretty common, and I think the more of it, it there is, the more of it there will be. Yes. Yeah. Well, this is Ken McGuire. I'm in I'm in New York, and uh, I'm hearing amazing resistance in New York State. Several of my client tracks are saying, "We don't give a shit what happens. We're opening, and we're opening with fans." Yeah. And that's just yeah. they're not they're not even considering it. They're just saying, "Screw it. We're going to open." Right. Yeah. Yeah. And I and I really believe that's coming. I really believe that that's the momentum that you're seeing. And, uh, you know, so, no, nobody has a crystal ball. Nobody knows what's going to happen. Um, nobody knows if the, if the idea that a vaccine is going to subside people and, and, um, and change their minds. I'm going to, I'm, I'm going to be a little bit gray about something because I would never put anybody in a bad light. And I'm going to tell you, I was at a dirt track um, this past fall in the midst of people that called up and would say, hey, I hear the I hear the race cars going and uh, what are they doing and how can they be open? And they would call my office and I would say things like, well, they got guidelines that they got to go by too. And when I went there and I saw the 4,000 people at that dirt track, I thought to myself, good for you folks. Because if you feel like you've got a mask, then God love you, wear a mask. But there's no reason why in the world, if I want to go to a dirt track, I shouldn't be able to go. And so, you know, if you don't want to go, then don't go. But don't tell me that I don't have the right to. And right. I think that, I think I saw a lot of that. And I saw that, that folks were just, just doing it by the hundreds. And so I think that also encouraged other people to just, have a second thought about what they were doing. Dave, Dave. Dave Oliveri, two questions. One is, you know, with the vaccine, there, like you mentioned, there's no, there's no certainty of anything, but do you think the governor's office, and this is really two parts, one, if we progress into the 2021 season, we're going to continue perhaps a status quo. And the second portion of that is, how realistic did the governor's office actually know what we accomplished in racing this past year with fans? I don't think the governor cares, nor does he have a clue. And let me just tell you something that is a realistic part for me. So there's a lobbying group that takes care of certain facilities throughout our state for different reasons. And Robert Johnson knows what I'm referring to. And so when I went to the one facility in the state of Pennsylvania during a um, early on event, uh, somebody made a comment about um, the government. And they made a comment about, you know, this was sort of prior to his reelection and they made a comment about how he would have the opportunity 
to come to a place where thousands and thousands of people were. The state police were flying in the air with the helicopter and dozens upon dozens of uniformed officers were holding were taking care of traffic and security. Um, and a comment was made about the governor being invited. And his staff replied like this. Yeah, they're not the kind of people that support the governor. So you probably won't see him there. He's, he's probably right about that. Probably right. <laughs> so, so I just, uh, you know, <laughs> I leave you with a little bit of a smile because, you know, that's the political side of our world. Robert uh, and David, if I, if I may. Um, yeah. Question for both of you, actually, and this sort of steps away from the page a little bit, but pandemic and then looking post-pandemic, uh, Motorsports Council of Pennsylvania, anybody that's heard my voice at Pennsylvania Motor Speedway and, and, and Robert Johnson is in the crowd or on down on the track in Victory Lane knows my favorite uh, my favorite term for Robert Johnson is he's been walking the halls of Harrisburg making ears bleed for months on our behalf. And, and I, I think everybody that knows what he does would agree with that. My question is, away from Harrisburg, how about back to the local level? Um, looking for help, perhaps communicating with county. And, you know, here in Pittsburgh, it would be Pittsburgh area. It would be Ritz Fitzgerald, Gerald's office specifically to Pennsylvania Motor Speedway, it would be North Fayette Township. How can the council, again, during the pandemic and then looking down the road when hopefully this is all behind us, what kind of help can we expect or ask of, of the Motorsports Council? Dave, you want to take the first crack at that or you want me to take a shot well, at it? Well, I'll tell you what I'll do. I, I'm gonna just say something that supports what I think we we are doing as people who are interested in motorsports in general. So this is my kind of a thought about, um, and Robert and I have talked about this, but so from the legislature side, one of the things that I think that tracks should do, and I mean this absolutely whether I was a legislator or not, I believe that I think tracks, especially local, as you said, need to reach out to the local individuals and let them know that they exist. Let them know that they are a massive revenue draw in however that works in their community. Countywide, township-wide, whatever it is. Look, I was in a major conversation with supervisors which, look, I have respect for, but I have very, very reserved feelings about many local supervisors because I believe that many of them um, are in, in a world of, uh, of their own interest and not necessarily for the good of, of all. And so I say that purposely because I'm going to say a name, which I think would be a travesty if if um, Maple Grove Speedway were to not continue out of the Berks County area, and I think you all know um, what that place can, uh, can do. But my only point to that is this. If the locals don't see that as an asset to their community, 
and a place like that were to close, you know what you're going to see? You're going to see rooftops. And I'm, a, and I'm a former contractor. And my point is, you either get one thing or the other. It's just like the farming families that got tired of farming and the generations got softer as they went. And so when the grandson and the granddaughter inherited the farm, what did they do? They sold it for the money. And so my point is, if the economic development or the economic machine and engine that your facilities represent need to be acknowledged, they need to be seen and understood because there's a reason that people want to go there. There's a reason that, look, some guys, you know, they want to fly under the radar. I even understand that because sometimes less is more or they don't want to bring attention to certain things, especially if it's safety related or health related or something that they're not really familiar with or ready for. I get that too. But I do believe the outreach is important so that, you know, the, the certain amount of dirt tracks that we have can have a recognition in their community. Look, my community here that has Grandview Speedway, you know, there are people who have moved into a 55 above community and they've made complaints and things and they've made complaints to me. You know what I've said to them? Uh, yeah, for 50 years, this track has been in operation and long before your home was here, they were. And when you came here, the only thing I can think of is you must not have been paying attention because they were here. And this is part of this community. And if you want to see how much so, sir, why don't you drive up there and watch the people bring their blankets in and set it on the bleachers because they're going to reserve their seats for the Saturday night feature. And, and I know that seems a little bit sharp. But the fact of the matter is those are some of the things that the people don't understand when they don't, when they don't realize the tradition and the heritage that has taken place for so long. This portion of Rapping on Racing was brought to you by the Jennerstown Speedway Complex, home of the Motor Mountain Masters. For information about upcoming events at Jennerstown Speedway, check out Jennerstown.org. A message for all racers, race fans, or campers. Alternative Power Sources Incorporated, located in western Pennsylvania since 1995, we have proudly served homeowners and businesses throughout portions of Pennsylvania, Ohio, and West Virginia, offering a complete line of generators and the ability to provide turnkey projects. From sales and rentals to service, maintenance, and installation, Alternative Power Sources is dedicated to providing reliable generator solutions. Their brands include MTU, Kohler, Gillette, Yamaha, PowerTech, and ASCO. The experienced sales force has over 40 years' experience in the generator field, providing the resources to design the generator package to meet your needs and specifications and supply the specified products. If service is important to you, they are your source. Alternative Power Sources. For more information, call 1-800-894-4455.
Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway would like to thank all of our marketing partners who've helped make the 2020 season a huge success. Deal Automotive, Admar Construction Equipment, Keystone Coachworks, Crawford Auto Repair, Always Safe Traffic Control, Calusi Chevrolet, RockAuto.com, Mastro Ice, RacingJunk.com, Miley Truck Rental, Falcone's Moon Township Automotive, K&N Filters, Yingling, Octane Graphics, Precise Racing Products, Allegheny West Magazine, Zarin Truck and Automotive, Basel Race Fuels, Coca-Cola, and Summit Racing Equipment. PPMS would also like to congratulate our 2020 division champions. In the late models, Ben Police. In the pro stocks, Dave McManus. In the hobby stocks, Stephen Sheltman. In the four cylinders, Philip Bubeck. And in the young guns, Noah Bubeck. Be sure to check out ppms.com during the entire offseason and get all the information you need about the 2021 season at Pittsburgh's Pennsylvania Motor Speedway. In the next segment, David Maloney explains tourism and some of the businesses that operate in Pennsylvania. The agricultural area is the largest in the area, and then The second largest is racing. David mentions how important it is to get the officials, the the politicians involved at your track. Maybe uh, have a special night. uh, Let them throw the green flag, whatever. He also talks about uh, some legislation he was involved in concerning uh, POWs and MIAs and a flag that he was successful in passing legislation so that the flag has to be displayed in all public um, buildings. A couple good questions in this segment. Uh, Tyler Harris asked about the vaccine, and it's pretty interesting how David addressed that. And Scott Stiller talked about speedways maybe... uh, the state trying to take their liquor license and uh, pretty interesting uh, dialogue there. And Ken McGuire explained some of the issues that they're having in New York. And one of the reasons why a lot of drivers from New York are racing in Pennsylvania, because they have no choice. We hope you enjoyed this. The United States Motorsports Association, uh, are, they're doing an excellent job. And a lot of people don't realize the fact we had racing in Pennsylvania last year was because of these people that were on this Zoom call. One of the things that Sean Stewart and I have been doing for years was kind of what David said. We have been going to local tracks, and Sean is on this call, and he'll fill in. We've been, we've been really telling the tracks, you've got to get to know your local officials. You've got to know your township officials, your county folks. <clears throat> there is tourism funding out there. There is grant money out there. There is things they can do to help you with infrastructure. I, I guess I mentioned the beginning of the call. I saw something here with broadband yesterday that I want to get out to the tracks across the state, particularly in some of the rural areas. So what the Motorsports Council is going to do, it's going to be your permanent voice. And, and yeah, I'm going to be bugging all of you out there to be talking to your local officials and to be trying to do things right and have those relationships established. Uh, Scott, I think Scott Gobrecht's on the call here. I think I may see Alan Kreitzer on the call as well from South Central PA. You know, they did an outstanding job of working with our local officials this year to get to get Lincoln and BAPS opened up early in June. So that relationship piece is just is just really, really important. And and we felt all along that, that that is the long-term piece of this, and that's where we want to go. Um 
there has not been any impact reports done here recently. We think the last one that was done was in 2013. It was done only for, it was done for Pocono. It was done by East Stroudsburg State. So Jim, that's gonna kind of lead into our next topic. Uh, any more calls for Dave? Robert, let me let me Robert, let me just let me just say something that might that might help encourage um, the folks on the call on, on on this on this subject. So many of you probably know that the number one industry in Pennsylvania still is agriculture. And even from my county of Berks, the Berks County itself, the number one industry in Berks County is still agriculture. And yet we have one of the biggest battery manufacturers in the nation. We have car tech and then you have your hospital industries, but agriculture is the number one industry in Pennsylvania. Number two is tourism. And I serve on the tourism committee and I purposely do that because I know that there is a hidden and a lost aspect of what helps Pennsylvania and why people want to come here or what keeps them coming here. And I do believe that you guys have an opportunity. And even if it is reaching out to your local officials, look, I'll just throw something out there. So say you make local official night and you have them participate in the feature winner trophy presentation or something like that. I know that some people might, you know, not ever think that way, but at the end of the day, sometimes when you rub these guys egos, it just helps you in the long run. And so that may sound crude, but we're all of the same kind of flesh. People need to exist. People like to be recognized. People like to know that they did something. And I think when you sort of monopolize on that, um, if you will, it can be very, very helpful. Um, and look, there's military events. There's things that you can do that recognize. I think the racing industry in itself is, um, is a terrific backbone to God and country. Um, I'll give you something else that you may or may not know. I did have two pieces of piece of legislation that were signed in the law this year. One took me four years and one took me 10 years. The 10 year one was that I would get hunter safety course in public schools, not in the curriculum, but they could not be denied if there was going to be a class and nobody could be charged. And that was a big deal for me because I think the heritage and the things that um, the schools who don't understand, the kids who think that milk comes from, you know, a grocery store and not from a cow, all those types of things are educational and yet also, you know, brings awareness. The other one was as of the end of this month, the POW MIA flag must fly on every Commonwealth property that has the American flag flying where certainly reasonably accommodatable. Well, my piece of legislation that makes the POW MIA flag fly is a recognition to those who sacrifice for what we have today. And for me, that those are some of the outreaches that you could take part in 
in your local event. And you may do that already. I'm not, I'm not telling you something that you may not be already doing, but I'm saying that they mean something to your community. That was my point. Thanks, Dave. Any other calls for any other questions for Dave? Uh, Dave, appreciate you taking the time to jump on here with us tonight. Uh, I think it's been very informative for some of our folks around the state who just you know, have not had a chance to get to Harrisburg or really to get to talk with you. So, again, a holiday time here. Really appreciate you jumping on this call. Any final questions for Dave? I do have one, if I may. Yep. Sure. So coming up with the vaccine coming out and making its waves, um, however that may be distributed. Um, but a lot of the schedules, I know out east, the seasons typically start, you know, end of February, beginning of March. Um, over on the uh, west side of the state, typically late April, early May, uh, we start looking at events. Um, is there any possibility, again, no crystal ball, I understand that. Is there any possibility that this administration may attempt to try to make it so any tourist attractions have to, uh, the people trying to come to the tourist attractions have to present uh, uh, some sort of identification showing that they've received the COVID vaccine in order to enter the facility. All I can say to you, sir, is this, that makes my skin crawl. And I'm, I'm of the persuasion, again, not only are you violating HIPAA law, and requiring somebody to show medical records that's none of your business. I don't know why and how. I've never had a flu shot. And I have no intentions of taking a COVID-19 shot, vaccine, whatever. Now, look, that doesn't negate the fact that you may. That, please, understand. That's not what I'm saying. My point is, I don't see how something that may have been rushed, or something that may have been, in my mind, a little bit um, exaggerated, would hold so much weight that I can't function in this world unless I show a piece of paper that says I had it. And how do you have the governor this past week being positive Tuesday and negative Thursday? And so, again, I don't see that happening, um, not at this point in time. Now, maybe this socialist-leaning president that's been elected, um, maybe, maybe that's something on their agenda. But as of right now, and especially with the Republican-controlled majority in Pennsylvania, that ain't happening. And it's not going to come through labor and industry, and it's not going to come through the health community either, those conversations I was in this week. So... You're right. None of us have a crystal ball. We don't know what this administration is going to try to do with executive fiat. But at the end of the day, I think there's going to be a tremendous resistance to forcing somebody to take something that goes against their will. Thank you. I agree. Dave, I have a question. Dave, several of the track operators that I talked to early this year during the shutdown were most worried about the threat of losing their liquor license. And understandably so, because that's a large profit center for the tracks. Can the administration actually go after that license? And is there anything the legislature can do to protect that for the tracks? So, very good question. And I believe that's not 
outside of the fear that many people have had. Um, I held a liquor license at one time, and I also worked in the industry at one time for a three-year period, but I would encourage you to do this. Prince Law Firm, okay, I don't have his, you can look him up easily enough, but one of the one of the best, matter of fact, Joshua Prince is my attorney, and he is one of the best Second Amendment attorneys in the nation. He's actually won the cases against Pittsburgh that the NRA lost. And so I would tell you to get on the Prince Law Firm website. He has a blog and he has a website. And he explains clearly why they cannot just go after your liquor license like that. So I won't give you the legalese, if you will, but I would like you to see in writing what he has put out there numerous times and would help and has protected some of our, our uh, companies already with maintaining their rights and their licenses. I hope that's a help, but that's what I would do. Well, Dave, um, I, this is Ken McGuire. I, I'd like to, to read that information because they've used that in New York State against several of the tracks. What they do, what they do is they say, we're going to fine you for selling liquor in an, in an inappropriate setting because you're supposed to be closed. And then the reason they go with the liquor license, they're not even so much trying to take the license, but they have the ability to charge, I think it's a $20,000 fine. We were dealing with $5,000 fines at a couple of different tracks. Um, whereas under the health law, which is where the, this should be, if anywhere, they've only got a couple hundred dollar fine. And of course, New York State is broke and you want to talk about a socialist. We got the king of the socialists for a governor. And uh, so they were looking for any which way to generate revenue. And we had one track, they issued a $5,000 fine against this liquor license. And he deliberately did not have his beer stand open. So he wasn't even operating. Yeah. Um, we, it, we ended up getting it. We ended up getting them to accept a five hundred dollar fine, and you know we we didn't go to war over it because it would have cost too much, especially in a year when there's no revenue. Yeah. But New York State didn't have a legal spectator in the pit in the grandstands this year. Some tracks opened their grandstands but sold everybody a pit pass. Said that those are just you know car observers, and you know, and the smaller ones got away with it. The bigger ones didn't. Yeah, but uh, and I, but the, and I, the liquor license is just a big hammer for them. That's all it is. I I know. I totally understand. It's one of the reasons why I brought up Attila's gym. I was actually I took my wife there this summer, um, in one of our trips down there, and I was biking, and we uh, and I dro- drove her up into the shopping center where they were, and um, and I believe they're at, if I'm not mistaken, they're at 1.2 million that they have totaled the fines. And they haven't paid a cent. Now, is that to say that they won't make something? I don't know. I can't. I can't answer that. But what I can say is, I do think that some of the ways that they try to attack you may be null and void because they're going outside the boundaries of what is actually legal. So there's no question they're doing that. And I'm pretty well convinced that this whole shutdown is unconstitutional to start with. But the problem is the reality 
you know, if you open up in April and they shut you down, you're not going to get a decision from a court until two more Aprils. And then you're out of business. It doesn't matter. So we've so we've many cases so had to sort of surrender just to keep open. So that is exactly why there is a just for just for instance right now in Pennsylvania. So when he talks about this three weeks, some of the people are like, okay, by the time you can take any action with me, the three weeks is going to be up. I might as well stay open. Hmm. And so that's why the people are doing what they're doing. That's something, yeah. you know, so you're right there. There's a time frame that can just, that can just completely take you out. And if you go to Stellman or Stellman, forget what that federal judge was in Pennsylvania, he clearly, he clearly laid it out as to why it's unconstitutional. Now that's a federal judge laying it out. And one of the reasons now I know New York is a little bit different. I get that. I really and mm-hmm. truly do. And I'm not, I'm not giving legal advice, but what I am saying is there are steps along the way that have been done that help us. And so when you had a, when you had a sheriff that said, I don't believe it's constitutional. I don't believe I can go in and do that. I'm not going to do it just like that. You can now use his own words against them. You can say, look, you said this wasn't right. So I'm, I'm staying open. And so that has happened in, in, in Pennsylvania. Um, so, uh, I, I don't, I don't, I don't really believe that at the end of the day, New York is going to fare well, um, for many reasons, but the only hope that I can have in this is that if they think that Donald Trump is no longer going to be in the white house, they're going to start changing the tune of their music. No, there's no question. Okay. And that's why they politicize a lot. Jennerstown Speedway proudly presented Rapid On Racing, the Tri-State's number one motorsports talk show. Today's program was brought to you in part by our marketing partners. Recognized by the Eastern Motorsports Press Association as one of the top racing shows in the Eastern United States, be sure to join us the first Monday of each month during the off-season for more Rapid On Racing. Stand on it. Come on, y'all, stand.